combat time! Hello and welcome to Combat Time, where three friends gather around and talk about who their favorite Mortal Kombat character is and why it is Johnny Cage. I am joined oh, by Yasin. I disagree with that strongly. And Josh. Uh, I'll allow it. What? <laughs> Yeah, and jokes aside, today we are going through part two of our in-depth review of Mortal Kombat comics. Um, If any of you guys listened to our last episode on this topic, we went through the initial first run of the comics, uh, like because we called it part one, where we went through John Tobias's um, Combat Collection One. We went through. uh, We also went through Blood and Thunder. And we also did a couple of one-shots on top of that, too. We did uh, Raiden Kano, and what were the other ones, Josh, that we did? Pretty much just did Raiden Kano and uh, Goro Prince of Pain, which was a Goro three-parter. Prince of Pain. Yeah, uh, which, but it which, tied in with Blood and Thunder. And then we also did the Tournament Edition, which is the conclusion to Blood and Thunder. Similarly here, we'll be doing the Tournament Edition, too. And we had and we had our fun and we had our critiques and we had our takes and for the most part uh, for this next round of comics uh, we are going to be going through um, three sort of meaty ones which is a tournament edition number two uh, that was also written and drawn by Tobias and we no, also no no, 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 no. that's co- that's collection oh collection I'm sorry tournament edition collection I get them confused collection two which was written and drawn by Tobias. And then we were also going to go through um, Battle Wave, uh, Tournament, Edi- uh, Tournament Edition 2, and two one-shots, Baraka and Kung Lao uh, also as well. Um, and yeah, I, I, yeah, those five I believe are it. And yep, pretty uh, much... Were... Go ahead, Josh. Oh, I'm so, I was going to say there, there, were, there was one other one-shot, uh, the Katana and Melina one. But we just got so much shit to talk about, and we're going to save it for later because our next comics issue will be about the MK4 comic. And yeah. that's literally it. Um, so that that's going to be an official, uh, you know, midway produced comic. So to so it's not lonely. We're going to do Katana Molina in there and uh, Special Forces, uh, which was a two issue uh, run that actually came out before all this hot mess that is Battle Wave. But we're saving that for later too, even though Jay's already read it and says it's pretty good. Yeah, um, but in this um, in this run of comics, besides the one that Tobias uh, wrote, uh, wrote and draw, all the other ones that we're reviewing today were all written by Charles Marshall, who wrote a lot of the comics <laughs> MVP. from the, yeah, our MVP. Favorite guy. Yeah, fa- our favorite writer in these com- like in these combat comic reviews. Oh. Um, I am now labeling him for probably the remainder of this podcast as Charles Third Person Marshall. And there's a reason for that. <laughs> How about Charles the Third? Is he Charles the Third? Charles the Third, Marshall? Actually, Josh, I think that that sounds way better. Chucky Three. All right, Chucky Three. Yeah, there you Chucky go. Chucky Three. <laughs> Chucky Three, the Revenge. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, we're gonna go into it. We're gonna uh, we're gonna have our takes, and we're gonna go through and talk about it a little bit. But I guess the first question I'll ask, just you know, before we really dive into to the both of you. Is what are our um, what are 
our initial thoughts of just this entire run. Did we like it, dislike it, etc.? Middling. <laughs> Maybe a little better than uh, our Blood and Thunder run. I feel we need to separate Tobias's work from this because I don't consider that part of this run. I'd say this run would be Battle Wave and its conclusion tournament edition and these one shots, whereas top John Tobias's comic is just sort of this outlayer on the side, and it came out a little bit earlier too. I don't have the exact date. I should have got that because uh, I also want to separate it because I love. We'll talk about it first here coming up, but I love John Tobias's MK Collection Volume Two comic so yeah. much. Yeah, I can I I can definitely say that. Um, of part one and part two of this, the Tobias comics, um, you know, his um, his first one and his second one are far and away the better of pretty much all of these, <laughs> at least so far. It's, and I will and, say Battle and, Wave and is a little better than Blood and Thunder. It's yeah, still bad, yeah. but it's, it's it's mildly entertaining. Yeah, and and not and obviously I, I don't want to feel like that we're going to rag on, well, we are going to rag on Charles Marshall, but we're not going to rag on him nearly as much as we did before, at least, at least to me anyway, because in my opinion... I actually had a lot of, a little bit more fun with this round of comics than I did the previous one because Battle Wave is actually a bit more fun than Blood and Thunder, and you know he's kind of hit or miss on his one shots, but he did, but it, but his Baraka one was actually a lot of fun. Uh, at least I to think me. we had worse things to say about the art in the last uh, episode yeah. too, uh, particularly yeah, I've, Kiki. I've, uh, I forget her full name that did. That one issue of Goro Prince of Pain. And we never I, confirmed if it's a man or woman. So. Yeah, I'm assuming and, woman, but yeah, we should have. Boy, we do our research, guy, don't we? So, yeah. <laughs> well, um, I mean, it's it's. Luckily, we didn't have that artist, uh, and that artist, I uh, well, I didn't did not mind that artist any... too much. It was a little janky, but like the main artist of uh, Battle Wave and Blood and Thunder, Jay, you might have that on hand more than I do because you're more of an art person. Yeah, they're kind of uh, hit the, or miss for me. He, well. The, they mainly had two. There was Patrick Rollo. His name is used, his name is on the covers of most of these. Uh, with a guest artist, his name is Vincent. Um, I'm going to pronounce his last name wrong, unfortunately, but Vincent um, Heduk or Hinnick, H-E-N-C-U-K, I believe, is is how you spell his last name. Are and they the one actually... that did the guest art for those little segments at the end of each issue? No, no, those are, those are actually like. Are you talking about the epilogues? Um, in like the Wave? one of. Yeah, like Kentaro and Goro, which we'll get to, and all that. I, those like the art was no, noticeably uh, different. Those are actually those are definitely those are definitely different. Um, uh, those are usually just guest segments from other artists, but I'm talking about just like the main art. Patrick mm-hmm. Rollo did most of them, and then Vincent uh, last name again. I won't try to pronounce it because I don't want to butcher it. Um, did the uh, did a whole bunch of guest sh- uh, guest shots in the other one, and Vincent is definitely a better artist than Patrick Rollo, and just in. A lot of ways. I'm not going to say his art is like super duper fantastic, but it, it it gets the basic stuff down. It's easy to look at. It's just a lot easier on the eyes, and you can actually feel at least if if not a, a simple one, um, a good form of composition. Like he's actually got a little bit of that stuff. It's is nothing award winning, mind you, but it's at least digestible. Was like Patrick Rollo. I don't know what that man's doing half the time. All I know is that he loves his cross-hatching lines, and they are just everywhere, and there's muscles on faces that shouldn't exist, and <laughs> there's close-ups on faces where you can't tell if you're looking at Goro, Shao Kahn, or Baraka, because all three look the exact same, because neither one of them have pupils, they all have sharp teeth, and they all got, like, muscles in their so cheekbones. Yeah, so much. Yeah, there's so many sharp teeth. 
this um, is where you know an artist is, is critiquing it though because we, we keep saying cross-hatching and I'm like I never noticed that I, I'm assuming you're using the right no, I, I noticed it with Battle Wave especially like this oh, yeah. it's, like, it's heavy for, it's super heavy for me all I notice is does it look janky and for the most part mm. it, it, it tries but yeah the, the biggest thing is at least me being a plebeian as far as art criticism goes definitely notice that yeah is this pr- I think I was really confused because I thought I was looking at Baraka but I'm like oh no that's Goro okay Though, I mean, if we were talking about jankiness, I think the Kung Lao and Baraka ones are way more janky than Battle Wave or mm. uh, Tournament Edition. Baraka's, you're talking about the one-shots, is not bad, but there is... Uh... It's just, it doesn't look good. Yeah. It's it's nothing it's nothing great. But the only thing I, the only thing is that, like, reading these round of comics and comparing... What this artist is doing compared to what other artists were doing, and also comparing it with the technology of the time, because this is still the mid '90s. Photoshop really wasn't a thing, so a lot of the paneling, a lot of those drawings, did have to be done pretty much straight by hand with screen printing on their colors. So I give them some, like not a lot, mind you, but some leeway for how the you know for how this art looked, because they did have to do it kind of a bit of the more traditional old school way. Uh, but that doesn't change the fact that the pencils are just not very inspiring because obviously they have to draw this stuff very, very fast, uh, which is why uh, Vincent H. is the one who he has a much more simpler style so he can do that. That's why I feel like his panels, you know, you can digest them more because you can see more of the background. Whereas like Patrick Rollo, um, he loves his perspective. He loves his action lines and his action poses the only problem is it gets him in trouble with compositing because there's a couple of uh of panels where he's making some big mistakes like arms are broken um faces are a bit too big legs don't work i mean there's all types of stuff in there unfortunately that i was catching mm. flipping through baraka now like Barack one is 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 okay i think yeah the it's biggest okay offender is probably the kung lao one kung uh, lao yeah. one i know <laughs> specifically the very last shot of Kung Lao. Oh, and he's looking up? Yeah, that's, it's like... It's like his... The pers- it's like the perspective is just so weird on his face. Yeah. It's so derpy. Which is sad because the... Ac- it now. Which, which is sad because the actual cover for the Kung Lao comic looks great. It's a cool cover. I like the cover. Is that um, a CG cover? Yeah, uh, it looks weird. Uh, Possibly, but... No, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's just... The, the color sh- the sh- cell shading or whatever looks makes it look 3D. <coughs> <laughs> but I think just so we can go ahead and get the first it's one out of the way, let's talk. Mm-hmm. A, let's talk a little bit about the first comic in our like little review here. Uh, Tobias M T um, M K two uh, collectors. I'm sorry, collectors edition. And you know where we we talk about the high points, and then we'll just go downhill from there. <laughs> Well, high point, <laughs> go downhill there. I was going to say, even before you're getting ready to introduce it, uh, as, as my attempt to segue into it was like, well, someone's art isn't horrible, and that person's is John Tobias's. And you, are, and you would be correct. <laughs> I mean, John Tobias should be the only person that does Mortal Kombat. I literally, that was one of my talking points uh, I was going to bring up, too. He should be the only person allowed to... I won't say do the art because this art's just basic too, but it looks exactly how it needs to do. And I'm, I'd yeah, love. It, to... it feels like Mortal Kombat. It yeah, it totally feels like Mortal Kombat. But I like it you does. know, comics is this thing where you get all sorts of rotating artists, and I like to see new yeah, yeah, yeah. experimental art. 
So I wouldn't want to take that away, but I would like to say uh, John Tobias should be the only one who's allowed to touch the story appropriately, <laughs> since he's the guy that fucking created the whole story. So you know, because yeah. this this is a very satisfying, lore friendly from beginning to end comic. I dug it. Looking like kind of like even trying to critique his art a little bit, and I, I really only have picky things about it. He does a lot of like simple stuff. There's a lot of roundness to his style. Like uh, like looking at Jax, for example, big, huge, round muscles, but uh, but at the same time, you know, the anatomy is mostly correct on him. Like nothing feels broken when I'm looking at his art. It just feels a little elongated because he likes drawing like you know slender figures. But I give him a lot of credit where it's due with actual. Um, uh, the drawing of like, uh, uh, like basically of different races. Like Liu Kang actually look uh, looks Asian. Um, Kung Lao looks Asian. Johnny Cage looks pretty American. Jax looks good too, and um, Sonya actually looks like a woman. <laughs> you know, so he's actually doing these things uh, pretty dang well uh, for the most part. It's clean. It's very easy to read. Uh, there's nothing true. I can't really think of it like anything truly like award winning, but I don't think he was going for that. It's just the much like the first comic we talked about, it's just a tie-in to the game. It's like a it's like a prologue um, to the to the actual game. Whilst the first one was a prologue to Mortal Kombat One, this one is a prologue to Mortal Kombat Two. It just kind of sets up everything uh, for the most part with like a little bit of story and some original characters that are thrown in there. You get to see uh, a bit more a bit more of the special forces that Sonya's a part of and where Jax comes in. And then, you know, a little bit about what Johnny Cage is trying to do because it opens with a little segment from him uh, before he gets rescued. And then just kind of like where it kind of reinforces what Liu Kang's doing, what Shao Kahn's doing and going through the whole st- a little bit of the storyline about how Shang Tsung gets his youth from Shao Kahn. Yeah, before, before, you know. before we get in the story, too, like uh, I'm flipping through it right now again and I forgot already that the art. Like uh, most of the art is exactly uh, as it appears in way back in our MK2 episode, remember I kept referencing my Mortal Kombat 2 official strategy guide? Yeah. Uh, there are literal, some of the panels in here is like literally taken from that, or I should say it's probably the other way around. Yeah. Uh, like the, the first shot of Shao Kahn's face was like, Ugh, and then the next page where he's standing all buff. Uh, same thing of Shang Tsung. Same thing with the, the splash of Katana and Baraka and, and Tsung. That's straight. They lifted those and put them in the strategy guide. So, like, I got a little, so much deja vu flipping through this thing. Because I'm like, oh, yeah, and these are perfect, iconic. That's what I have in my head when I think of Baraka, you know, with his really yeah. fucking evil grin. And, well, you know. The thing is, because, like, when I associate, like, one of the big things about the Mortal Kombat games that you always, I mean, I feel like a lot of us had at least one of the strategy guides for the for the game. And first for the earlier ones, I mean, a lot of his art was prominent in those books. So seeing the comic drawn by him, it just feels feels like home. Yeah, you know it's I mean? comfy. Yeah, and I mean, and after going through all these comics that we've gone through with different artists, which yeah, I agree with you, Josh, that uh, it's good to have experimentation as far as like different artists and different takes on how characters look and. You know, stuff like that. But after, like, we've had a, f- a few artists now between our two episodes. Yeah. And, yeah, just n- nobody hits it like the creator of these characters. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's actually, it's actually refreshing because, like, usually when you think of uh, 
creators of like iconic characters, you know, they may not necessarily be able to draw them all too well. Like, you know, at least we remember Rob Liefeld created Deadpool and Rob Liefeld, the way he draws his stuff is kind of legendary with how critical people are of it. But, you know, it, in Tobias's case, I don't really have any complaints. Like when I look at his characters, I'm like, huh, this is good. I mean, the expressions are good. The, like he, he knows how to draw different, uh, body forms he knows compositing pretty well his paneling is simple but that's all you need and when you're drawing comics um you really do have to think about a lot of this stuff because no one wants to read your comic if they can't um like if they can't read it uh if they, if they look at it and it looks all cluttered and jumble and the paneling's everywhere sometimes it's, yeah. it's way way better to go with the simple approach um just to kind of give you a good example of this one of the mo- most legendary comics ever watchmen um, really does really utilizes extremely simple paneling. Like we're talking like just squares. Like like you look at a page and there's four squares that are evenly spaced out, and most of the paneling in the entire book is like that, unless it's like two squares or something like that. And it's very very simple, and it may not be anything like you know truly push like pushing the envelope, but it works. And as long as it works. Um, and get your point across, there's, you know, really, um, people can make up their own minds about what they're seeing in front of them, which is actually part of the reason why I like comics. I like interpretation like that. Yeah. Uh, can I say something? Yeah. About talking about, you know, Tobias, how Tobias has used his characters. Mm. So a complaint I'm going to have throughout the whole thing. Okay. I mean, everybody knows that I harp about, you know, Kung Lao this, Kung Lao this, my favorite character. He's the only person who actually let... Kung Lao throw a hat in these comics. That's true. Wow. Wait, really? <laughs> That's very true. I've, I've, right, while you've been talking, I've been flipping through Battle Wave, and yeah. I for sure know this about the Kung Lao one shot. He doesn't throw a hat. You're telling me he doesn't point. throw a hat in the one shot at all when he fights Shang Tsung? No. Man. He doesn't. I, I looked again and again. He doesn't throw a hat. He Amazing. takes his hat off to meditate, but he doesn't, he just kicks and punches. That's it. Huh. Yeah, and here's the panel right where he throws the hat. He like swipes it to to keep it's, Kintaro. It's like, the, it's like the movie. Like it's the just exactly movie. like the movie. The hat comes out of nowhere, yeah. and everyone's like, "Whoa!" And then he catches it. And then, yeah, cool, cool pose. But yeah, in his own comic, he doesn't use his hat. <laughs> it's oh god, I can't wait to get to that one. Yeah, yeah. Right. Let's, let's talk about. Uh, so what, what about what about the story for uh, the spies? Because we, we like we said, it is still set up there, there are a couple of things about the story i generally did enjoy like i i always enjoy learning new things about the lore of, of some of these races that take place in mortal Kombat. and so um the um again forgive me i'm gonna say it wrong and i know but uh but goro's race uh the shokan or the shokan right yeah shokan yeah shokan okay um I like I, I like the fact that Goro's father is pretty prominent in this, and he looks like a pretty like almost like a regal Scottish king in his getup um, a little bit, and how he like introduces Kentaro because Kentaro's going to take his place. I always like I always like seeing stuff like that because you get a little bit more um, in depth stuff uh, about like how these things get set up. Because of course, when you're playing Mortal Kombat too. If you are anything like me, you see Kentaro for the first time when you get to him, and you're like, what in the ever-living fuck is that thing? It's like, it's Goro, but it's a tiger. Like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and, you know, you don't really have much backstory behind it, but this comic actually helps you kind of get an idea about, like, oh, this is 
this is why Kentaro's here, and you know, Gora has a father, and obviously they're like a a big a big time warrior race, and you get to learn more about them. Uh, stuff like that I always find kind of cool, and uh, which is what these like these little mini comics should be doing is like just little Easter eggs that build up lore. Yeah, once again, it's a, it's a setup comic, much like the, the the collector's edition volume one was, and I was about to conflate it with uh, Battle Wave. Which is very much kind of a setup for the tournament, but flipping through it now, I'm remembering, oh yeah, like it's got that great opening of Johnny Cage and Sonya and Kano having to, uh, you know, shake shaky allegiance there, keep Goro at bay. Uh, and I like that moment too where uh, they, the special forces are looking and they see Kano and they're like, what, Kano? And he's like, bring guns, bring big guns. It was right <laughs> yeah. before he gets <laughs> captured. That was a great moment. Uh, mm-hmm, and I, yeah. I like that. That's canon appropriate. Kano's an asshole. But, you know, he, he's also an opportunist, and to make it easier in the Malibu comics, they're just, okay, he's in league with Shao, Shao Kahn. Uh, although we did see Kano and Raiden, and see how he got there, at least. Uh, yeah. There's also, it's, it's, I enjoy. there's also another thing I'll mention in these comics, which, again, I feel, I feel is that I give credit, and this is to pretty much all of them, but in every single comic um, in this run... Uh, in, in any of the ones that we're going to review today, Shao Kahn does not wear his helmet once. And I like that they did that. It's actually cool to see his face. It would have been so easy just for him to wear uh, his helmet the whole time. And I actually like the fact he doesn't have his helmet on. Um, it always time. confused me because I was like, am I... Because when it's a close-up, I'm like, am I looking at Goro or am I looking at Shao Kahn? Well, that's because, yeah. Well, that's because like in the Battle Wave comics when Patrick Rollo's doing it or... The other guy, it does get confusing because they do close-ups, or at least Patrick Rolo does a lot of close-ups, and you you are confused. Like, is this Shao Kahn's face, Goro's face, Kentaro's face, or is it Baraka's face? Because I can't tell the difference. <laughs> sometimes. I guess it, yeah. it wasn't a deal for me because I'm used to seeing him without his mask, like from that strategy guide. So, like, I always knew yeah. from the very beginning that Shao Kahn didn't look like a normal human. He didn't look like what's his face in Annihilation, but. Uh, it is, yeah. Not it's not as much of a problem in Tobias's comic, but definitely the others. It's like, yeah, is this Goro? The one, yeah. the one the distinguishing mark you can always look for is the claws on his forehead. But uh, yeah, I yeah. mean, how Goro no has ponytail, and there's no ponytail. Yeah, but if it's really close up, you can't fucking tell. Yeah, true. Uh, where did this Jack's outfit or the special force outfit like? Where did that come from? Right. Yeah. Was, let me flip through again because Jax wears. It's not the same fucking outfit he wears in Battle Wave, which I can't wait to comment on, because that's a, like, okay, whoa, that's an outfit. No, it's, I think it's the same one. Oh, actually, looking at it now, yeah, he totally looks like an X-Men character. And well, then it's like the other guy, the the skinny dude, is also wearing it, so it looks like it's just that's just what Special Forces wears. I guess so, yeah. I like how Special Forces is, you know, instead of regular military, they are like a superhero yeah, squad. But then Sonya doesn't wear that? Uh, yeah, maybe the females have a separate uniform or something like that. You gotta wear a sports bra. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> I also noticed that the, the skinny dude, like, it seems like there's an iteration of him in every comic, because Battle Wave has a similar looking guy with glasses. Special Forces, mm. which we'll get to next time, has kind of an evolution of that, and I want to say there was someone like that in uh, the, the Collection Volume 1, too. It's just like, they always gotta have, like, kind of a pencil neck looking guy. With those glasses that are opaque and you can't see his eyes, it's like a he, yeah. Joke. He's usually, he's usually like the brainy one, like the one that right. just hacks everything or something. That is kind of like a a cliche. I don't think there's really 
much in the way of like you know uh, 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 creative characters that are not the Mortal Kombat characters in these comics. Like everything is pretty standard by the numbers about what you think it would be, um, I, for better okay, or worse. Looking at it now, because like at some point in the comic, like Shang Tsung, you know, fires his skull, flaming skulls, at Jax, and then it like explodes his like top half of his uh oh, his costume, right. and that that's so how I'm guessing looks... like. So I'm guessing like the pants that he had in MK2, like Tobias oh. just kind of just extended it and just made it into a whole suit. Oh, so that when he, yeah, so that I when he it. when it gets blown off, then it's like oh, then that that is Jax. So that's how Jax became Jax. His dorky looking pants were dorky because they were part of a larger dorky youth looking dorky uniform. suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. Which also might be a reference to you know Jax was originally supposed to wear. Like he was going to be a kickboxer or something. He was going to wear like a gi, and yeah, he was. Uh, John Parrish apparently would like be constantly ripping not the shirt but the pants apparently, and he was just which like, is weird because it's it's supposed to be like loose pants anyway. Right. So the dude must be for f- fucking built. Um, yeah. But you know that's when I think it wasn't even his idea. I think someone else is like, "You're a bodybuilder, dude. Why aren't you showing you off?" So it's like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> one thing like one thing i kind of love about this comic though that i just wasn't expecting but i thought was fun is that like uh it's a segment with Lu, uh, with Liu kang and kung lao like Liu kang's just you know kind of chilling kind of reasserting his vows that he will you know defend earth from the forces of outworld for the shaolin temple and the order of light and then kung lao's like talking to him and stuff and all of a sudden you know just out of nowhere <coughs> plane just drops down and oh hey guys i'm sub-zero i'm here to like you know give you an offer, here's my card, and yeah, I'm in a business suit, and I'm just sitting here like, wait, what, the Lin Kuei is like all about the business suits or something? I, I was like, Thank wait, you, wait. This is my favorite hey, which part. Co- which, which book is that in? It's, it's in uh, John Tobias's thing. Yeah, uh, it's in John Tobias's thing. Let me, oh, let me right. flip to it, yeah. I'm not surprised by the technology, because this is my favorite part for two reasons. One, because LOL, Sub-Zero has a business card. Yeah. Um, but it's Kwai Lang, right? It's Kwai Lang. He literally drops down, and he looks like yeah, John yeah. Turk. Um, and, but he could be mistaken for Johnny Cage's bodyguard or something because he's got sunglasses yeah. and a suit. But like that shouldn't be strange because this is modern times. This isn't. This is the issue I keep bringing up, where like nobody knows how to uh, portray a modern ninja clan. They have to keep pretending they li- they're living in the 1400s, like with a movie. Yeah. Or sometimes they're literally in the 1400s, but no, they're a modern ninja clan. They have technology and all that. It's just they also wear uniforms. And uh, Kwai Lang brings it up in here. He said, yeah, my brother wasn't a fan of that, but we're going to take advantage of all this technology. And that's canon. That's even mentioned to the point some people have said that uh, they, they kind of fucked it up in MK11 because uh, Noob Saibot more than once seems to allude that he's okay with the cybers when canonically in the past he shouldn't. If he were alive when that was going to happen, he would have been against it too about uh, oh, yeah, against yeah, yeah, embracing yeah, yeah. technology. But yeah, but it's great and cheesy to see Sub-Zero also riding in a fucking hover jet where his buddy Smoke is there, establishing very early on that, oh yeah, no, Smoke is his buddy. And then Air Mac? And, 
Aramek, apparently. There's a Red Ninja apparently. also piloting the, the ship. So I, I think my favorite thing about it is that the way he just kind of sort of dropped down on like Liu Kang and Kung, um, and Kung Lao, it, I couldn't help it, man. It reminded me of Mr. Nobody from the Fast series. Like I thought it was oh like one of his people because wow, it feels like yeah. something he would do. He's just like, oh, hey, guys, I'm Sub-Zero. I'm part of this, like, you know old ninja clan here's my card oh yeah and i've got pictures too it's like i half expected him to offer uh, Liu kang a corona like i really did <laughs> like <I>, no <laughs> nah, he'd I, offer him uh uh trying to think of what a better better uh drink would be something associated more with cold uh i don't know like uh natty ice <laughs> yeah yeah I don't know much about beer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're not missing much with Coors, guys, right? Man. No, yeah, Coors Light. They always have the picture of the Alp, the Alps, and stuff like that. Yeah. Snow-covered mountain peaks. Yeah, which Coors Light. you know what would kind of make sense because Sub Zero. I don't think Sub Zero is American, but in this panel that I'm looking at, he looks pretty American, <laughs> even with shades. Uh, once on. again, bringing up something I brought up that I always heard that Sub Zero both both brothers are uh, mixed. This would seem to, to to lend to that, that maybe that was thought from the beginning. Or maybe it's just because, you know, he didn't, you know, he's wearing sunglasses and he couldn't draw him to, to look anything but like a square jaw dude in a suit. I also want to know where Sub-Zero got this picture of Shang Tsung that he just tells Liu Kang he has. Because it looks like Shang Tsung is like holding up a, a small selfie stick and taking a picture of his <laughs> girl face. Like it really... It looks like it's a surveillance camera thing right yeah, yeah but if you look at the picture and... it's in he's in he's in like a cave with fire like how do you get a surveillance oh, yeah. camera down there <laughs> like it looks like shang Tsung just decided or is that him would... in front of a portal yeah or something it's like shang Tsung just decided okay guys i'm about to go through this portal let me take a picture for my fans well, you know, and you Bihan was originally face. supposed to uh, assassinate shang Tsung, so it's probably you know yeah a, a surveillance photo as he was coming in and out of earth realm you know, before the tournament. Yeah, yeah it makes sense. This except, also leads to the young. idea... This And Josh, you, like, you like this. This also leads to the idea that the Lin Kuei actually have a graphic designer and they, and he, <laughs> and they, print, out, and they print out their business cards because obviously they have one. And, you know, I can't imagine that if you're a graphic design workshop that you would, you know, that you would turn down, you know, the Lin Kuei as, as a potential business partner, but that, that would be compromising. So I'm only left to assume that the Lin Kuei has their own marketing division inside there. Yeah, I'm a little worried. That's like, it's either they, they hire freelancers, but then they kill them after they're done working for them. Yeah, or something <laughs> or, like or they hire, they just have an internal department and that means I'm, I'm a, can never work anywhere else. I'm, I'm pretty much inside the Lin Kuei headquarters for life. Yeah, but yeah, know, that's like apparently that. a canon thing, you know, um, at least in the comics. Uh, the Lin Kuei have business cards and business suits, and they apparently have a marketing department. Man, imagine getting killed because you, you designed a business card and your use have, has been fulfilled. What's the <laughs> meaning with that? Being? Man, if I was, I mean, if I was any of the Sub-Zeros, I would probably kill, kill the graphic designer because of that font he used for the Lin Kuei. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty bad <laughs> font. <laughs> Come on, bro. Yeah, that is a pretty <laughs> Chinese restaurant font right there. Yeah, that is Chinese exactly. restaurant font. That's pretty bad. <laughs> uh, did we actually talk about the story of this thing? Like, what what is, what is it well, actually saying? Well, I, I mean, I this mean, one's going to be, fair, be the easiest like, to talk about it. So yeah, there's not really much... much to talk about. We've already established it's a setup, and a lot of these, like, and a lot of the things in this comic are really just individual character setup moments. It's all about you know introducing these characters and getting them into one place. We haven't actually talked about it. We just kept saying it's setup. 
<laughs> yeah, because well, I mean, the other is. thing, this is the first one I read, so now it's like faded from my brain just as fast. But it's basically, you know, it, it does open up with Sonya and Kano and Johnny Cage fighting Goro on the island, and they're whisked away by Raiden and a big Superman. Well, he does the Neo thing where he just like yeah. catches him before he gets into the fire, right? That's pretty cool yeah. too. That was kind of an exciting uh, little little setup. But that's kind of what happened with uh, Kano, right? Where he catches him and then goes through a portal and then they explode. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He lets him go. Yeah. I guess Raiden likes doing that. He can never hold anybody once he gets to the portal. (laughs) It's weird. And then what, Jax and Special Forces are... They they, they find... Yeah, they they don't believe it until... And they talk to Johnny and then they still don't... Well, Jax believes him, but no one else does. And... Kung Lao and Johnny and, and Liu Kang are doing their thing where uh, it looks like they, I, I guess they, where the fuck are they at? They, did they get like exploded off the island or something like that? Uh, they're in China. Oh, oh, they're going back to the, the temple uh, the or of the Order of Light. And this right. is canon it got, to... It got burned down. Yeah, this is canon to the intro of MK2. Uh, Liu Kang's home, home t- place gets destroyed by Baraka and Kentaro leading an army uh, as revenge. So, yeah, Shao Kahn wants to get revenge. So the tor- Temple of Light's burned down. Sub-Zero shows up. And Johnny Cage is filming a movie. And then they attack the, the movie studio, which is hilarious. By the way, it was it, it, it says Cage Cologne, so I think he's doing a, a commercial. Yeah, right. he's doing a commercial. He's but what I noticed is that the director is E. Boone. Yeah, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. I'm looking at that exact <laughs> same panel you've seen, um, yeah. and and I and like and I like and I love it. I think it's actually a lot of fun. I like when they do little things like this with Johnny Cage because this is totally something he would he would absolutely do for something like this. Cage Cologne. Good God. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. And boy, yeah, I forgot a lot of what happens here. Yeah, everyone fucking shows up at this movie studio to fight, even Reptile, and then Scorpion comes out of nowhere. Well, the it's almost like they tried to build up. They it's almost like they wanted more time to build it up, but then it's like, oh, we have to like do this setup. So let's just throw everybody in one spot, like post haste, and let's introduce all these characters that are going to be in the game post haste, and they have their little one page character moments where they where they establish character dynamics. And after that, it's just like, oh yeah, it's Mortal Kombat time. Woo! Like every th- this movie studio man and this comic was just lit because Johnny Cage is just doing <laughs> his commercial, and then here comes Shao Kahn's forces. Then Raiden shows up. Then Reptile shows up, and then like Mortal Kombat is declared, and there's sc- like skulls Kombat. getting fired. There's like I think one of the special forces people get killed, but it's they get oh, killed God, really? off. They get killed off camera. Like, Jax just, I think, haphazardly mentions it. But there's three of them. There's Jax, there's the, the the pencil dude with the glasses, and then there's another guy. There's, like, a red shirt. There's, like, a red shirt dude that came with them. And Melina kills this person off camera, um, oh. from my understanding. Because I, I think they mention it in the late part of the, in the, late part of the book. Okay, yeah, I'm, flip, I'm flipping through it again here, looking at it. I'll have to do that less of the others since I read them more recently, but... Yeah. But yeah, it basically ends with Raiden showing up and 
everyone is standing on one side, ready to start Mortal Kombat 2. And... <laughs> yeah. Oh, we also get the whole thing where uh, Reptile's about to, like, kill uh, Sub-Zero, and then Scorpion shows up and says, uh, his brother, like, uh, yes, yes. Killed they, me or something like that, and uh, they fully I got acknowledge. My and now I need to protect. Yeah, that's that's what made me happy the most. Because what makes me unhappy is when we get into Battle Wave and they totally just do the generic villain role for Scorpion. Uh, and and they actually don't even clarify that it's going to be Kwai Lang in uh, the Battle Wave comic. I think it's still Bihan because he never died in Blood and Thunder. Uh, but here, no, they fully address that. Yeah, and they get it out of the way right away instead of building up to it. It's like, oh, yeah, hey, I'm going to protect you now. Get GTFO. Yeah. Reptile. And then at the end, Scorpion's standing with the good guys, with everyone else. Oh, actually. Yeah, it's, it's, oh, actually it's almost like oh, um, the creator of Mortal Kombat knows how to actually write. Right? Yeah. It's, wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just to kind of correct myself, there were not three Special Forces people. There were just two. Jackson, the pencil neck dude, and it's the pencil neck dude that actually got killed by Melina off camera. Johnny oh. Cage, there, there's a panel, a small one, where Johnny Cage, like everybody's trying to convince Jax to join up and fight the tournament, and Jax is kind of hesitant, and Johnny Cage is like, oh, yeah, your partner got killed by Melina back there. Here's his cap. <laughs> and then Jax is okay. like, then I guess I'm competing then because F this guy. <laughs> so. Well then, shit. That happened fast, because, yeah, I'm flipping through now. I stopped flipping through it, because I keep oh, turning shoot. my face yeah, away from Yeah, he just walks the through a wall. Yeah, holy crap. Yeah, they, <laughs> apparently Melina did it just off um, off camera. But, yeah, no, Josh, I agree with you. Um, seeing that, like, that one, like, page with Scorpion, where, you know, Sub-Zero's like, what is this? What are you doing here? And Scorpion's like, hey, I took, I took... I took a life. Now my job is to protect is to protect the life, um, or dedicate myself to that. And I'm just like, yep this this is very antihero, which is very Scorpion. So I'm like, yeah, I'm okay with this. Yep, it is exactly accurate. He's not just some like Goon. ghoul holding a black stone and just like commanding the dead. It's like, yeah. hey, I may have a skull for a face, and I may enjoy Hellfire and stuff like that. But I'm, you know, I'm not that bad, guys. You know. Yeah, I'm not layers. Yeah, I'm not know? that bad. I may be Satanist, but it doesn't mean I like sacrifice kids and yeah, you know, and all that stuff. You know, pretty cool. Yeah, and then of yeah. course, like Raiden comes in at the end. Sure. He has to announce the big thing. You know, Father of the Year Raiden over here. <laughs> so he always comes to the end just to declare stuff. Say yeah, that again? that's typical Raiden. Yeah, that is typical Raiden. Um, I just always kind of love it where like Raiden is mostly sort of like an X factor in these stories and then he just kind of comes in to just be I get to basically just to push the plot forward this is pretty trendy for him like yeah. no matter what <laughs> true but yeah um, but he's not as pompous in these in this comic as he is in every well he doesn't have a lot of dialogue so that's why <laughs> he's only I in like two scenes <laughs> I love me some Malibu Raiden Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. It's, so it's hit or miss. Sometimes it's really, it's really amusing. Other times, it's just like, Ugh. oh yeah. And because and because this comic was not written by Charles the Third, um, we don't get like a lot of people referring. <laughs> uh, we don't get a lot of people referring to themselves in the third person. Like we don't like we don't hear Mighty Goro, and we don't hear for it is I Raiden that you'll be fighting this day. Like we don't hear like a. Thank God. I think, it, I think it does happen once, and only once, in the John Tobias, and that made me go like, oh man, here we go. I'm like, but wait, this isn't Charles Marshall, and it never happened again. It's just like, he had to sneak one in there. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, just see. Well, Raiden, I feel like being the god of thunder and all that, can get away with like one or two of those. <laughs> but he, but, but nobody else, like nobody else, can do this. Well, well, no, I, I take that back. Baraka can get away with it because Baraka's dumb, <laughs> so he can do that. Mm, um, yeah, he knows. Well, did we? Did we know that? I mean, I don't remember if we knew Goro's planet's name. Kuaten? Oh, yeah, we were Kuaten? talking about that in the comics part one, and they mention it liberally here in... Is it the Tobias comic that they mention it, or Battle Wave? Or both? Uh, the Tobias one. It's, yeah, Kuaten or something. I guess I'll have to scroll back to it here and see, but... Uh, it's funny, because I never heard... I, you know, I'm the lore guy, and that's news to me. Like, I didn't know he had a realm within Outworld that he resides in. Yeah, I thought that yeah. I thought that they kind of like basically shared it. Though I do know that the uh, that Baraka's race, the um, uh, the Tarkatans, uh, are the majority race there. Well, um, Tarkatan wasn't invented yet. Here, he's just some mutants, and I think yeah, they keep calling them mutants. Like. I think the idea is that not all mutants look this; they're mutants after all. So I don't think I don't think Baraka is a race. I think Baraka is a mutant that happens to have claws in his hands and uh, there might be some that are similar to him and i think we in fact see some but i think it's more like a grab bag of just what ugly we can smash together (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't until the netherrealm games or maybe even the the ps2 era games where they're like okay baraka is his own race of peoples yeah uh should we jump over to yeah uh, i guess this pretty much finishes up the tobias comic uh it's, to... very, it's a very simple book, straightforward, easy to read, like, You'll read great it. to look at. Yeah? I don't know. This is a fun, out of the ones that we're going to talk about today. Oh, here we go. Uh, before we go over, I found it. Kuatan is Kuatan. Asgorbak, king of Kuatan, K-U-A-T-A-N. So, I guess that's their city, maybe, or something. Yeah. So, they're very they're interesting. Country. Yeah. yeah. The Goro country. But this yeah, country. but yeah, we can. <laughs> but yeah, we can go into we uh, we can go into Battle Wave issue one, and pretty much in Battle Wave issue one, just from looking at the cover, you kind of know where things already kind of went downhill art wise a little bit. Yeah, I think we need to uh, we we need a little transition here. We need we, we need to step aside real quick and understand that we're going into we're going into Goro Country. <laughs> we're going into dark places. Whatever fun you had. Well, you might have fun. But right away, I knew we were like, oh, this is a Malibu comic. Because I think very early on, there's Melina shows up and she says, you know, oh, you... Yeah, isn't that one of the first scenes that happen is Reptile is basically accosting her? Apparently, you know, there's no HR department in uh, Outworld in Shao Kahn's castle. Nope. And, and and Melina says something, step back or you'll, you'll taste the wrath. And I'm like... Uh, Oh, here we go. Taste the wrath of Melina, and I'm like, yep, yep. yep. Here we are. This is Charles yep. Marshall. Comic. So, like, if um, if the Tobias Collector's Edition number two is the Mortal Kombat '95 movie, the Battle Wave here is basically the uh, the slogan of Annihilation, which is destroy all expectations, because that's exactly what this yes, comic is going to be. Um, it 
Okay. E- even mm. even when it starts off, man, like even when it starts off, the very first page, I can't tell who I'm looking at. That could be Kentaro, that could be Goro, that could be Shao Kahn. It's Shao Kahn for reference, by the way, but when you first look at it, it's such a close-up of the face. That could be anybody. And then in like the next panel, they're showing Kentaro, but he's all brown and doesn't look like anything. He's got this like dog face. Like that that's not a tiger face or a cat face. That's a Is do- that Kentaro? Yeah, that's Kentaro. It's it's Wait, said there. Where? Uh, oh, okay. It's Kentaro. Oh, the face. He's referring to himself okay, so in the third person, so it's definitely Kentaro. The first page is Shao Kahn. The next page we see Goro's father. The next page we see Kentaro. Yep. But yeah, look, that first page really does look like Goro, but it's yeah. not. <laughs> But if you look at Kentaro yeah. on that third page, look at the panel on the left. And for those, obviously, because we're just talking about something that you can't see, Kentaro is reaching for someone, and he looks he looks he he looks to have like a Doberman's face. Like if you could anthropomorphize a Doberman's face yeah. onto something with a bald head, that's what he has. But he's he he's ba- but he's furry Goro. He's furry cat Goro at that. Yeah. Um, he's got so, the little black nose. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and it just it looks it looks weird. And of course, he's referring to himself in third person, which there is a lot of that there. Yeah, um, uh, you know, it happens every page, I think, or at least every other page. Almost every page somebody refers to themselves in the third person. And it is the most frustrating thing to read. I hate it. It's <laughs> it's made it made every book that we looked at after this unbearable it's just so bad it probably shouldn't bug me as much as it does but it's just like people don't talk like this like nobody like everybody's like a shakespeare character but not well here's <laughs> the so thing weird. do do jacks johnny cage sonia do this they may have once or twice but it seems mostly regulated to outworld people and ninjas I feel like Luke King has done that. Okay, times. yeah, I guess you know he's because he's not quote unquote normal. He's he's you know a monk. But he's in Chicago. I mean, he's in Chicago. Yeah, he's in Chicago for a lot of it, trying to just to. But he also gets attacked by ninjas every day. Every freaking day, he gets attacked by ninjas. Also, I'm curious. Oh my god, I'm curious what he's doing because in his opening panel, he's talking to Johnny Cage and the table in uh, the table in his first panel there really does look like that that looks like a drafting table so is he like an architect or a graphic designer or something because he probably has a t-square yeah he does have a t-square so i'm sitting here thinking like is our is luke king an architect when he's not saving the world from outworld is he just like well maybe he's making plans he might be making plans for how to get back to the island or something like that but yeah i do i don't i actually kind of like that idea that like Liu Kang just gets attacked like what three, four times a month by just random ninjas that climb buildings. A How about just, a day? <laughs> yeah, I just think it's I just think it's funny. We're like, this is Liu Kang's life. He's like a he he's a draftsman by day, and he's like thwarting ninjas that are trying to kill him by night. I mean, and then just walking into a Wendy's, and all of a sudden, like you know, the person taking his order gets thrown to the ground, and a ninja comes up from behind the counter. Yep. And he's like, ah, oh, not again. Yeah. But what's annoying is that like. Johnny Cage calls him, right? He's like, I'm worried about you. Some blah, 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 blah. And then Ninja's attack, of course. And then Johnny Cage is like, I'm going to send you my bodyguard. <laughs> and it's like, wait, he this is the champion of Mortal Kombat, right? Like, 
why does he need protection by a bodyguard of Johnny Cage? To, to, well, to no be matter fair, how good you are, you can still be, uh, you know, vulnerable. You could be to taking be a fair, shit. To be fair, though, Liu Kang... That is so belittling of it, it, Liu Kang as a character. It, it is, but to be but to be fair, you see, Liu Kang never asked for this. Johnny Cage just did it. Like, Johnny Cage sent him to him. Liu Kang didn't ask for any help. Johnny Cage just decided that he wanted to insert himself. Yeah, but it's, 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 it's Johnny Cage belittling Liu Kang. Yeah, I mean, really annoying. I don't know. I, I think that's the wrong way to look at it because you know uh, Christopher Lambert would not, you know, like you coming to that conclusion. He'd want to set you straight and be like, "Even you sometimes need help. If you don't ask for help, you will lose." You know, hey, e- even but even this is the, the champion of Mortal Kombat. Even what the is the strongest are going to do to help? I mean, even the strong. If he wants to be like, "Hey, I just want to eat my lunch in peace," because you watch the window, you know. Uh, and of he, all he the does, people, why is he get, send it to why send it to Luke King? I don't understand. I don't know because I mean, like, like, like according to, do, to Mortal so. Kombat lore, according to Mortal Kombat lore, Luke King is Destiny's child, man. Like he's the chosen one. If anybody was gonna, if if Johnny Cage was gonna, you know, hire and assign bodyguards to anybody, it would be to himself. <laughs> like I feel like that's a very self-centered thing that Johnny Cage. Would Except- do. That people aren't coming to kill Johnny Cage or coming to Kulu Kang because he's a champion. What? Uh, that's why ninjas are attacking him? Yeah, because... Uh, I never understood why they were attacking him. Oh, seriously? Yeah, no, it's... it's Okay, so here's what I was going to say earlier when I said I was conflating the plot of this uh, and the Tobias comic is that this is basically the 2021 movie. It's basically trying to eliminate the champions. And yeah, Shao Kahn basic, basically is, you know getting revenge for Goro uh, and trying to eliminate the, the title holder. So, yeah. The ninjas go out to attack Liu Kang. Get rid of him. Also, can yeah, we talk sure. about how, like, Liu Kang just straight up, like, murders all those ninjas? He just, like, he beats them all by doing nothing but blocking their attacks and kicking them, which Liu Kang throws no fireballs. There is no bicycle kick. He just ki- he just kicks them. He just does, like, a roundhouse and or, like, a flying kick at best. Yeah, like he. That is my problem with a lot of these comics is that people don't really use their powers that are in the games. You know, I never noticed that until you guys. Brought yeah, that up, Johnny Cage yeah. doesn't either. Johnny Cage threw not one shadow kick at any point in time. He did. <laughs> he does. He does. At one point, I remember him saying, "He again in third person." I think he said something about Johnny. He said something about fearing Johnny Cage's shadow kick or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah, but Luke Kane, yeah, yeah, it. but Luke Kane definitely doesn't. Um, and I think that's probably like by choice. They're trying to quote unquote ground the action and make this more like. Is I that don't what know. they're doing? No, I think they just forgot because I mean they do they do it they do it with the obvious ones. They do like Sub Zero's you know, freeze blast. Oh, they always do that. Yeah. Uh, Reptile gets to do his like acid spit. Yeah, I did see that, and he does. Go, uh, and Reptile does go invisible. I think a couple of times here yeah. too. So. But I he guess also once apparently it, has telepathic powers, which I never understood. Yeah, that yeah that's weird. some bullshit. That's some pull out their ass <laughs> bullshit that they threw in there. But like no one else does. Like Kitana never does the levitation thing. Or well, here's the thing. Uh, I think they wanted to save those powers for obviously supernatural people. Like I, I mean, Sub Zero is a human, but you know, still you got to throw ice if you're Sub Zero. Reptile's obvious, but for like more human like characters, like Kitana and all that, they're not monsters or anything so i guess they wanted to make them fight they're like from people. outworld though they're not from they're, not they're from human. outworld but they look human you know so they're not least, human though i mean i mean they're human age adjacent <laughs> uh, matter. i don't know like katana is more grounded I, than say weird. 
uh, Goro, you know? Also, isn't technically Shang Tsung human? Shang Tsung is legit human, but he's also a sorcerer, so. Okay. You, you can't you can't put this logic on some people and not on others. Just make everybody do their moves. What's t- what's so hard about that? You're like, not wrong. In the Tobias comic, in the Tobias comic, like Scorpion throws his spear. I don't think he throws a spear at any other point. Uh, no, he does, but it's or... it's a, once again it's a fucking mace. I think in the last issue he throws it. It's this goddamn mace <sighs> with a spike and ball and chain shit. The, really? The... Yeah. There's like there's also like this other panel that I feel like I need to address because this happens with Goro a lot too. Goro just randomly shows up in the most random places in this comic, and and he's like a CEO of like a yeah, a yeah or, or something. something. But I, but I love his intro. Like <laughs> like, like Jack is just Jack is just chilling. Jack is chilling and working out. Like he's doing like 500 reps, and Goro just comes into the gym and just beats him with the dang you know weights. And I'm just like, where did you come from? Like, like you're just walking around like it's nothing in the middle of the day, and then no one says anything. It's just like... This is troubling to, to say, like, maybe he snuck in through a portal, because the implication is that he snuck into the building. Or, like, when Liu Kang goes up to visit, she says, oh, yeah, he's I don't think Goro is the type that can sneak, no. Josh. I don't think Goro does the whole sneaking thing. Like, I just don't see so, it. The thing is, the way I... Like, the way it read to me, like, when I read this thing, like, uh, at one point... Uh, Liu Kang goes into an office building and he says he has an appointment with someone. It's like, oh, he's up, you know, in his office, but he's in a mood. And this is after like, Goro's okay. already clunked Jacks. So it might be a different thing. Like Goro's Goro's doing the same thing as the ninjas are doing. I think he's going from place to place to get revenge. I don't know why he attacked Jacks. Okay, so but, then you know. for whatever reason, for me, it just read that he was just like. She just like knew that he was the CEO of like, I think the implication is like, that you know Goro was smashing shit up up there, and she just thought, "Oh, the boss is busy." You know, it's uh, supposed to be foreboding. Okay. You know, it's supposed to make you be like, "Uh oh, I know what's going man, I on." I must really check out in these comments. You must, man. But I mean, can you can you blame me? I kind of like that, but at the same time, how the fuck Goro sneak around in the middle of Chicago unless there's portals involved? Exactly. And two, this also brings up... The only thing I can think of is that, like... I mean, think about it, guys. You're an eight-foot, like, you know, big, huge dude with four arms. You're walking around in what is effectively a G-string with a karate gi on it or yin-yang symbol on it. I would just market myself as a sci-fi porn star. Like, that's what I would do um, if I was Oh, hey, yeah. (laughs) I I can't come up with a porn star name for Goro. But, oh, yeah, it's him. (laughs) I can, uh, I know, can. Goro's all por- you have to do is Gor- put, if you put a, go ahead. Uh, Goro's porn star name would be Meat Ripper. <laughs> oh my God. All right, stop right Four there. Grip. Foregrip. <laughs> Foregrip Meat Ripper. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. You know, all you got to do is put on a trench coat and he, you know, people would look, but they wouldn't be like, okay, I need to I call mean, the Ghostbusters. I mean, I mean, dude, like... <laughs> no one ever no one ever recognizes the Turtles when they... Exactly. exactly. I was going to say, if the yeah, Turtles can get away with it, Goro can get away with it. Why not? And you know, that would have been perfect. I would have been... That that would have fit right in home with this comic if Goro was walking around the streets with, like, Wait. a trench coat and a hat. Honestly, I would have loved that panel where, like, Goro just walks down on the street, like, contemplating his plans, but he somehow magically has a, tre- like, has a trench coat and a hat that can fit him and all four of his arms and no one says anything. I would love a panel like that. That would have been so much fun. <laughs> what were you going to say, Scene? I was about to say something. You said, wait. I was going to say, didn't, didn't 
something like that happen in Journey Journey uh, Journey Begins? Journey Begins. The, the, the movie? I mean, he yeah. had a, he had like a cape on, but he wasn't trying to hide his arms. He wasn't trying to hide. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was just going to bring up, and this is jumping ahead, I guess, a little bit, but Goro's sneaking around here, assassinating people, or at least trying to. Also, I, I never realized it towards the end when he shows up to to fight Kentaro, and and he keeps saying that he's finally back in Outworld. Uh, it really makes it unclear just where the fuck Goro was, because uh, Goro came. It's, it's it's the whole Goro Prince of Pain thing. Well, right? yeah, but he arrived back in Tournament Edition Volume One, back from when we looked at it last episode to solve the riddle of the Tao Tezan and and you know become a god. Remember? I could have sworn I saw like. Yeah, true. So then, it's like they forgot about that, and he's still but in this Earth. Takes place. Mm. And then, then later on in Battle Wave, he shows up in Outworld via portal and says, "Ah, I'm finally back." But so it's like Goro's just been hopping around. I don't know what he's been doing. I feel like I feel like they messed up the timeline trying to write. I really think they did. Yeah, Battle Wave. Uh, because yeah, it, I I. I can't find it, but I could have sworn that they had a notation. They did back it, to Goro. It was it was it was later on in Battle Wave when he shows up at the end to to you know Outworld, and he's like, "Ah, I'm finally back after ten thousand years. I'm free." Uh, <laughs> and it has a little asterisk, and it says, "See Goro, Prince of Pain, for his adventures." You know, whatever. But it makes no sense. But yeah, I forgot that. Oh yeah, he shows up at the beginning to try to kill Jackson Lucan. Yeah. Which, uh, I, I will recall, uh, I had said in a previous episode that I thought I read Battle Wave as a kid and didn't. I actually did because I remember Jack's getting clunked. Uh, cause I remember how shocked I was that, you know, the lights come on and, oh shit, it's Goro. Jack's might be dead. Where the fuck Goro? He's supposed to be dead. Oh my shit. Uh, and yeah. then I, I do remember also, um, Johnny Cage's bodyguard who eventually comes to save Liu Kang's skin. Good old Bo. <laughs> I, I remember I, Bo from a oh, kid. Bo. And oh, it's, about, hey. it's about time for us to talk about Bo. Yeah, we need to talk about some Bo. <laughs> I Bo. despise him. Uh, Bo. <laughs> I, uh, you it, I, it's, it's, less that I it's less that I despise him. I just hate that how they write him. Because it's just stereotypical, like, it's, it's black stereotype speech kind of thing. Like, everything is in a slang. Yeah. I don't know about it's this just, karate stuff. It's just, uh, yeah, and it's like, except, he just sounds like he's from like a 70s movie or something. I, except that I, I'm I, never I, sure I if, died laughing though at one point, like when him, there's like a panel like where him and Liu Kang like go to like the Himalayas or some ice mountain or whatever and Bo's like following him. Liu Kang just decides, okay, in order to get to the Outworld, I have to jump off this cliff now. And then Bo's like, Liu Kang, baby, no. <laughs> just baby. the way he says that was just so abrupt. Did he call him baby, so, really? Yeah, he did. He really called him baby. He's like, Luke Johnny Hanks, Cage. baby. <laughs> probably asked him to call him baby. He probably calls Johnny baby a lot. I'm Johnny sure he does baby. too. But I can see why never... Yassine says that. Because yeah, everything Bo says well, is unfortunately a little bit of a stereotype. And that it's, a, is... it's a stereotype for sure. But I I was never sure until later if Bo was supposed to be black or not. Because in his first couple panels, he looks like 
if not white, like, you know, Mediterranean or something like that. And then in other panels, he's very clearly black. And well, I like don't trust this comic to get him right consistently. I, I, like, dude, like, there's shots. Also, where, notice, like, is he, he's a big uh, uh, Hollywood, schmoozy Hollywood bodyguard dude. Yeah. He likes eating. Well, I feel like the, this, this, like, battle wave, like, they don't have consistent, like, Anything. skin tones. Like, Jax no. changes skin tones so much. Yeah, yeah. It and I guess does. we don't notice as much of Jax because we know who Jax is supposed to be. It's like but we there know, were times we, where I was like, "Is that Bo or is that Jax?" Well, if he's not wearing a bowler cap and sunglasses, well, there's plenty of times where Bo isn't sure. wearing that. Like he, like his hat falls off a lot, but well, he is he, wearing. He does the get coat. his sunglasses knocked off a couple times. Yeah. Yes, but he's always wearing that that suit. I don't think he takes it off. But yeah. But but that being said, oh, wait, so, I will correct myself. Like. Flipping through, there is one time where Kung Lao throws a hat. Oh, uh, okay. I, I will say that, that, like, overall, I actually did generally like Bo, but mostly, not that Yasin's wrong about his character portrayal, but I like the character dynamic, which is what a lot of Battle Wave tends to be. <coughs> it's less like, it's less of, like, an actual story happening, which the story's dumb, so it's nothing to write home about, but the character interactions are kind of like the meat and potatoes of this, and seeing, like, Liu Kang kind of interact, like, with this bodyguard that's just there because Johnny Cage told him to be, and Liu Kang kind of having to deal with that, and they go on, like, little tiny adventures together, I feel like it's kind of fun. Like, just their, their character dynamic is neat, and it's cool to see Liu Kang interact with someone that isn't part of like your typical MK crew, like it's a, it's an original character. I thought that was fine, and Bo I thought was fine at like as a tag along partner for that. So I, I didn't find so it I, funny I didn't that mind he, him too much. He shows up for for the final battle, and they do the little roll call thing, and it's like you got all your recognizable characters: Luke Kang, Johnny Cage, and Bo, and Bo. <laughs> <laughs> Bo. It's just yeah, I don't know. It's 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 the way he speaks. And the fact that he was sent by Johnny Cage to right. protect Liu Kang, it just makes him a character that doesn't need to be here. Or if he was here, if they wanted to have him partner up with Liu Kang, it could have been a different way. I actually and it could have still and and if it was written better, like as far as like how the character actually, I got speaks, an idea for it, it already. Cool. He he could have been the every every hotel has a, has a house detective, so he could be the guy who who's like slouching around in the lobby just watching for suspicious shit or you know waiting for somebody to say that they had like property stolen and he he know he saw goro sneak up to the room so he's like something's going on here and he ends up rescuing Liu kang because he knew something fishy was going up and then he just tags along so he's he's a house detective yeah but yeah but like <laughs> but also what, and all like of a other, sudden like he, other... he's a combatant <laughs> Oh god, he's a combatant. Oh god, that fucking kid. Not the and combatant. Has, and he has a tattoo that means <laughs> um, he has Arcana. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you know, I, how are you able to beat Goro? He's like, I don't know. And he's like, you know, rubbing his chest, and his shirt opens up a bit. And Liu Kang's like, wait, that marking, that's it. No, that would be so lame. No, oh oh god, that would shit be lame like that. shit. Um, but like, actually, one thing I wanted to uh, address a little bit, and again, another part that I just thought was fun is um, the quote unquote. The big plan that leads to nothing, which is um, uh, the plan of like uh, Kung Lao, Katana, Baraka, and Sub-Zero having a plan to overthrow Shao Kahn, which you think it's more sophisticated than it actually is, but it's just them just basically taking a truck together to go to Shao Kahn's castle and then like, hey, Shao Kahn, we're here to overthrow you. And apparently this is like, okay, guys, here's what we're going to (laughs) do. We're going to walk around the desert. Yep. (laughs) Long pause. 
But you know <laughs> but really, oh, the that's only it. That's point, point of it. The only point of it is just to see Baraka interact with these people, and I actually thought this was fun. Baraka is just I like he, that. Yeah, yeah, he's just triggered at everything. Like if you so much as like tell him that he smells bad or that like his or that his hair isn't correct, even though he has no hair, hair. like he'll just like he'll just like he'll freaking throw out his blades and be like, "Up, oh, Baraka's gonna kill you now," and it's just. It, honestly, I ended I ended up having a lot of fun with that. I thought that was great. You know how in uh, I don't know if this is the first Avengers movie, how Bruce Banner like explains or you know kind of describes what it's like to be. I'm always uh, angry. The Hulk. Yeah. No, well, he says like he feels like he's just an exposed nerve, hmm. and that anything that touches anything that anything that happens to him sets him off. Yeah. Because he just feels like an exposed nerve that if anything happens to him, he just explodes kind of thing. That's Baraka like in a nutshell. That, I feel like that's Baraka. Yeah. If anybody even looks at him wrong, he immediately like wants to throw down. Immediately. I, I like that they're trying to, to... Baraka's trying to be a good guy. Like, once again, to, to, we always point out, Baraka is a good guy now. Yeah. And apparently, as far back as then, he was. Or at least only because yeah. apparently after the... The reason he's a good guy is story-wise in this comic. After the defeat of Goro and the loss of Outworld to Mortal Kombat, the mutants who apparently are part, greater part of Shao Kahn's army are just like, "Yep, fuck you." So they they defect. Uh, so Baraka just got roped in with Katana, and I like how they simplify everything. Do they defect? Do they defect or get replaced by the undead? They they got replaced by the undead because they. They ran away. They didn't def- defect. Baraka defected, but all the other mutants just ran away, basically. Gotcha. Okay, okay. And then Katana, of course, being his daughter, is leading this rebellion. But Sub-Zero and Kung Lao feel weird. I mean, Sub-Zero's there because apparently the Lin Kuei is constant interaction with Outworld, which is silly. Um, and Kung Lao's there because he got banished Outworld. So, you know, hey, he's an Outworlder right now, so... But it is just like, like, how would you has like to... Has he always been an Outworlder? In, no, he's not from Outworld, but he was... No, I'm saying, like, has he always been in Outworld? No, uh, as far as the Malibu comics are concerned, yes. I don't think that's canon in the games. I mean, hell, we just read mm. Tobias's comic. Yeah, even in the Tobias one, he's not really, like... Yeah. He, I mean, he's just been wandering around. He's a wanderer. Or, he showed up at the temple, but I don't think he was wandering yeah. in Outworld. I don't, I don't yeah. know the canonical... Uh, that's my thing about... These Malibu comics, it's like, like they just, it's like they barely, like, of course, Mortal Kombat, a lot of lore, but that's not a lot of what a lot of people want, like play the game for. They just play for the characters. It kind of just feels like they skimmed through a lot of stuff and then just made up everything else. Yeah, like a uh, Jade and like, Smoke showing up to be uh, Shao Kahn lackeys. Yeah, toasty. <laughs> Oh God. oh my God! Smoke. That's like half of what he says is toasty. Yeah, like how did that make sense for smoke? Because, because uh, uh, I think you have to fight him by pressing up and start when oh, right. he does says toasty yeah, or true. something. Also, <laughs> but then like I don't know if you guys looked at it, but like when he first shows up in the hospital, he looks blue. I yeah, look yeah, at that he actually right, does. He does. Look blue. It's a little confusing until you see that the whole bottom half of him isn't there yet. It's all smoke. Because he's materializing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was like, wait, is it, is it just ice evaporate? Oh, it's smoke. Okay. Yeah. And Jade is just always around, but you don't know why. Yeah. Because yeah, she's well, just generic Shao Kahn lackey. They well, didn't know, uh, well, they, I guess, 
Well, also it's like Melina, like Melina's the same way. Melina's always around, but we don't really know why, other than just to be Shao Kahn's life. But at least, <laughs> at least with Melina, she has that complex of like, she thinks she's the best uh, daughter. Yeah, and I think she says she, that at once. Like the 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 yeah, the, their story is clear. Melina is the jealous sister. Yeah. Whereas Jade, you know, if Tobias had written this, he would have already known that Jade is like you know one of Katana's friends who also works for Shao Kahn, but secretly wants to, to overthrow him as well. And yeah. as we already seen, he already had, you know, the idea that smoke was sub zero's good buddy and not a bad guy. Or yeah. Okay. They're the secret characters. Yeah. A, a bad guy team. Yeah. Toasty. <laughs> and what do you think this smoke's voice sounds turn. like when he's talking? Like I initially want to think like he sounds like reptile of all the his. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Because he's always like hunched over when he says that. Right. It always is like he's sneaking around. And he says something about right before he's about to snuff out Jax. He's like, and he will be nothing but smoke. But but I think he sounds more gruff like a smoker. Because every time he says toasty, I I just think toasty. Yeah. I don't even think the Dan Forden voice. He's a cigar in his mouth just like, toasty. Yeah, I feel like that that's like some throwaway fan service-y thing that they decide just to do. Like, no one knew what to do. Oh, absolutely. It is. No one knew what else he says. They're like, let's just throw this. He's basically a lackey. You can call him like like basically ninja palette swap number 72 or something. And he just says toasty. Like, that, like just because throwaway just because That's what smoke is. Because it wasn't until freaking 3D games or later where he finally got moves of his own and not just Scorpion's moves, which he does in this comic. Uh, or is that Noob Saibot? I can't remember. Um, but uh, no, speak. it is fan service because he also says, very puzzlingly, puzzlingly, after Jax whoops them both, he goes, Portal, I will see you in Goro's lair. Or meet me in Goro's lair. What? Huh. Uh, I mean, Jax doesn't follow them to Outworld. He goes back to, you know, getting ready, healing up. And the next time he meets Jade and Smoke is perhaps the the high point of the comic for me is when Jade and Smoke uh, trash the airplane that yeah, Johnny and, and Jax are on. There's it's some great award-winning dialogue in that scene, man. Oh, yes, there is. Oh, yes. award-winning. Some, also, the plane award. seems to take forever to crash. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> I thought like, oh man, a fight on an airplane that's falling out of the sky. This is great. It's been I, twenty I, minutes. How how far up are they? <laughs> I, I need to I need to address I need to address the one part of that. Like basically, Jade and Smoke are attacking Johnny Cage and Jax on this plane, like as it's flying somewhere. I, I honestly kind of forget where. And you know, Jade is taunting Johnny, and then Johnny like is showing her the door, and he somehow ends up kicking her, and he says this classic line of, like, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. And then Jax is like, oh, uh, you're an actor, and you just pulled out that Clark Gable reference. And then Jax immediately has to follow it up with, you know, because he's fighting smoke, and he's like, and then he decides, like, oh, cool, I know how to get rid of smoke, because he's made of smoke. So he punches a hole in the plane right next to Smoke and said, Hey, Johnny, what was that movie called? Gone with the Wind. And then Smoke goes flying out the plane. I'm just like, oh, my God. I mean, okay, the the, the line is terrible, but the idea of you know, punching the hole in the thing so then his evaporated form yeah, like, is, gets sucked is, out is kind of good. It actually, I didn't yeah, realize it's, that's it's, what it's, happened. It's, I just thought he punched Smoke so hard that he dissipated. And I, didn't, no. I wasn't even clear that, that that's a weakness to Smoke, that he's like made of Smoke. But uh, I guess that works. But no, it's actually, cheesy. I actually agree with you, Scene. I thought that was actually clever. It's just like the cheesy dialogue with the playoff is just yeah. so bad. 
My first reaction Dude. was, I can't believe Johnny Cage swore. Yeah. Damn, isn't this a kid's comic about killing people? <laughs> you, can, you can get away with damn and hell and all that other stuff. Yeah, hell, they um, said shit in the Transformers cartoon. But anyway, what were you saying, you see? So, at one point, Sonya wants to, like, recruit Johnny to for the cause or whatever because Jax is hospitalized. And then, at one point, to convince him to join her, she does the leg grab? Oh, that she just, you know... Knocking him around a bit. This is Mortal Kombat, you see. You you gotta have uh, moments of you know dramatic misunderstanding. People don't have people don't sit down and talk. They fight. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one time she's used any of her moves, and it's to Johnny Cage to convince him to yeah fight. <laughs> it's so weird. Sonya knows where her assets lie, so that's why she did the leg grab. <laughs> <laughs> there was one point I can't remember where it was, but. Apparently, Johnny Cage almost died or something, and he says something about, like, man, I didn't think I'd be in the sequel or something like that. And I'm like, was that a foreshadowing for Annihilation? Hmm. Probably not. Well, it wouldn't be foreshadowing. The only reason he dies in Annihilation is because he canonically no, dies in the game. I'm just saying. I'm just, it, it was just a funny thing that Johnny Cage says, like, that's, just says something about, like, not being in the sequel. That's definitely <laughs> a, a Kowinky dink, but, you know. Yeah, it's a cool, it's I would a also call it a uh, tinfoil hat that I am. I would call that synchronicity. <laughs> it's a fucking pattern to everything, man. It even goes all the way down to Malibu Mortal Kombat comics. Also, so is thing- out? Oh, oh, go ahead. I wanted to say, like, I wanted to address also um, one of the other characters in this comic just because of just how random it is but reptile in this comic is interesting um (laughs) you know just you know basically to say the least because one one thing i actually like about uh charles the third um over here writing (laughs) reptile um is that reptile referred himself to the third person based on how charles the third you know interprets his character is actually pretty I'm actually kind of accepting of it, but one thing about Reptile is that Reptile apparently is the bestest of boys. Like he, like he is the good boy. He is Shao Kahn's good boy because he does. He is so dang loyal (laughs) under any circumstance. He kind of is. He deserves a little uh, slap in the wrist here in Battle Wave. He kind of fucks up. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he he gets captured by the good guys and they torture him to like. Oh, and he yeah, and he spills all the beans. Like he like he caves like it's nothing. Like he has no. Like he, like he, like Baraka threatens to kill him, and he's like, "Okay, I'll tell you." And then he gets away, and then he tells Shao Kahn, "Like, yeah, well, Shao it should Khan, be said, I told everybody. he was too afraid to go to Shao Kahn first. He just hid until someone noticed he was there, and they pull him down. He's like, "Oh fuck, oh. yeah." But then Shao Kahn, when he once he finds out that Reptile told Kitana the plan, he just laughs. Which I, he just says like, "Good," and it's like, "Wait, was it was that meant to be? Did he send Reptile?" Knowing that Reptile would probably spill the beans, was it part of the plan? I think he just. Also, what is Shao Kahn's plan? I know he wants to, you know, force the uh, Earth the merger and all that. I don't know, man. Yeah. This is a stupid GI Joe plot. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, think... I don't really don't think that there's much of a story other than like things are happening and Shao Kahn is just kind of reacting to things because we know that Kung Lao, Katana, and the crew are trying to overthrow him. We know that Liu Kang is just basically trying to live his life but ninjas keep attacking him. Johnny Cage is just kind of like there supporting Liu Kang. 
And we know that like Melina and Reptile are trying to do, are basically trying to overthrow Katana's crew because Shao Kahn knows about them. And that's just kind of like all we know. It's basically less of a story with one cohesive plot and more like people, like the chess pieces are on the board and everybody's kind of reacting to everybody that's until to say, basically yeah. towards the end. It's, it's the, huh? also Siang is in there or something? Yeah, that's all yeah, I want to mention next like, is like, surprise, Charles Marshall surprise, just loves Siang that character. Out of fucking nowhere. Yeah. Like, but then he's but, bad. He's bad because yeah, he's bad-ish. But Shao the way Kahn made him a deal. Yeah. Well, no, or it's the Death Stone uh, or whatever. Yes, yeah, the Death Stone. It was the Death Stone because which is like that's another I'm glad thing that they mentioned it sense. in here. They, I mean, it's an interesting concept, though. Like, I'm just it's just kind of confusing because in the previous comics that we read, he was a good guy from the Order of Light, right? Correct. Yeah, and and they 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 still but, address that. Yeah, but then. It's an interesting concept because, like, one of the twins dies. Mm. So then the other twin decides to merge with him one last time. Yeah. But he's already dead. So then, because of the stone, he's uh, Scorpion is able to control half of him because half of him is dead. Something like that, yeah. Something like that, right? It's an interesting concept, but it's just not really fleshed out as much as I'd wanted to. Like, it just seems like he comes out of nowhere. I love that he come out of nowhere, because I'm like, holy shit, you were actually kind of halfway cool original character from last time, and you're back. Yeah, though I kind of liked how he was drawing the the previous comics than this one. He looks a little different now. He looks a lot more buff and erupting with uh, muscles. (laughs) Like, if you didn't know any better, you're like, is that Goro? Because, like, the muscles almost look like he has two right arms sometimes. (laughs) But at the same time, I feel like he's just, he's kind of there to be a, like, obstacle slash plot device for whatever reason, because he, he, it doesn't go anywhere. Like, he's probably the most well, worthless it character. It kind of does. In this- Scorpion, correct me if I'm wrong, sort of frees him at the end, doesn't he? Mm, they, they have yeah, a fight. But he, he gets freed because Baraka breaks the stone, right? He, well, that he happens does, in the but- one shot, doesn't it? But but the, here's the thing he frees him in... he he frees him but he frees him with death like he kills him he kill is basically Sing can't die and then after the death stone is broken Scorpion just throws a spear in him and it, as far as I'm aware he just kills him so then his soul is free so oh. it's almost like okay <laughs> is that what happens That's I, I think so because he doesn't like show up I mean his his story is kind of interesting how he survived but again it doesn't really. It doesn't really go anywhere. Like it, it really just kind of doesn't. It's almost like Charles the Third just wanted to write him more for whatever reason, but it didn't know really what to oh. do with him. And like, I think what we're describing that happens in Tournament Edition, which we'll be getting to. And I guess this all kind of bleeds together. Uh, although yeah, Tournament the, Edition kind of does, yeah. Tournament Edition but is like, weird as fuck. Uh, by the way, when we get to that, but yeah. But like, so when did the? I got two things. One, when did the plan? Uh, Shao Kahn's plan become uh, marrying Sonya Blade. <laughs> Two, when did Reptile get psychic powers to be able to control Sonya Blade? Three, was she lying about the being under control the whole time? Because at some point she just kind of breaks free. Uh, I don't know why. That, uh, to answer your third question, I think that was just Reptile probably got his ass kicked and his 
for power over and her got, got like, weakened. Yeah. Right. Uh, power th- Okay, cool. I think uh, it's sort of like a revelation where like Shao Kahn, I don't think it necessarily had to be Sonya, but he, apparently in order to merge the realms, which is why, you know, hey, we almost forgot about, you know, the mascot of Mortal Kombat, Scorpion. He's in this comic too, but you wouldn't know it because he stands around and does nothing this whole comic other than gloats about how many dead minions that he has. Oh, Shao right. Kahn Gave him the Death Stone. Uh, we saw um, we saw so about twenty of them, about fifty of them in that one panel. <laughs> yeah, and uh, each one. And, has and we'll definitely get to one. that panel, but yeah. If, uh, so the I guess the overarching plan is that Shao Kahn wants to invade Earthrealm, and he's trying to merge his army with an army of the undead that Scorpion leads with the Death Stone. So he has Scorpion kind of like recruiting, and I guess I guess sort of training these people but we don't know how he's actually going to invade earth realm until later on in the comic when we find out oh he has to take on a new bride uh, sindel wherever you are it, i guess you're jealous it basically is a precursor to the sindel plot to where i guess if you marry bit, yeah. somebody in official matrimony it merges so, the realms is outworld a christian state <laughs> yeah right uh, i've gathered here today <laughs> Um, yeah, probably because she's wearing like what I, a traditional like Western wedding dress. That's what I was going to ask it's about. Like, it's like this is a very medieval culture, but apparently, uh, you know, we don't see what the the normal people outside of Shao Kahn's castle wear. So you know, maybe they that's do. What I'm saying Western. it should be something different. It should be, but I guess you know, LOL, Sonya in a fucking wedding dress. Like once again, Sonya, ninety five movie, and now Relegated. here. Once again, so relegated more than just damsel yeah, in distress it's so stupid. and wedding to kind dress. Of, you know, at least to give Shao, at least to give Shao Kahn like some credit, it's not like he was like super cringe. It was all pervy over Sonya. And the, no, Sonya it's basically Mario Brothers. This is a fucking yeah, Mario he's Brothers. Basically like, I just need to marry her just so I can merge the realms. Then after the realms merge, like he'll pro- he would probably just kill her anyway, or just throw her in a dungeon. Like he didn't care. I did like point. how yeah they wanted to do the, read the whole things. He's like, I'm not much of a romantic, so just get on of it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. But yeah, that, that whole also, final issue is so fucking silly. If you did notice... Oh, it's uh, very silly. In, in the Stay Tuned message on issue five, it says you're cordially invited to the wedding of Shao Kahn. And so <laughs> yeah, like, it does. Yeah. And apparently the also, big reveal is that Shang Tsung is going to be his best man. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, well, yeah, this? that was a reveal like, one. I can't, I can't be, I can't miss this. <laughs> it's the party that everyone wants to show up to. Kano's like, hey, it's only appropriate. I'm the one that, that gives you away to Shao Kahn. And, then and actually, kind of, yeah, I kind of agree with that sentiment. Like, if you're gonna if you're gonna go this far with this stupid ass plotline, yeah, just have Kano just be like the dad that gives his daughter Sonya, Sonya away. Sure, why not? And then, of course, <laughs> Liu Kang is like, "Aren't you supposed to say if you, uh, you know, how's that fucking <laughs> anybody who objects to the wedding?" Yeah, day? it's like why that? Why I fucking blank out and what you're supposed it's to say? Such a it's like I said, it's weird. fucking it's Mario Brothers, dude. This is the Super really Mario is. Brothers Super Show. <laughs> <laughs> I guess to, it is. Yeah. To, to, uh, to rewind back a bit, reptiles powers. Where did this death stone come from? Oh, uh, I think it's something Shao Kahn had in his possession, or Scorpion found while in hell. I'm not sure which. I mean, Did you ever see that? No. It wasn't as bad as like the book with riddles from Blood and Thunder. Thank oh yeah, it's God, another one but of it, those. But but, but, but that's but the, still in tournament. Wait, no, that was in tournament, tournament edition one, right? Yeah, but 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 luckily. This, I mean, obviously, it is the it is the MacGuffin of this comic run, but at least it's not a 
a like everybody is trying to scramble to get it type MacGuffin like the book in Blood and Thunder because in Blood and Thunder that book was passed around like a hot freaking potato like everybody was trying to get that thing but the Death Stone Scorpion pretty much has it the whole time and is using it and just kind of doesn't do anything with it Um, he just kind of stands there and is like my minions yeah (laughs) that's all he kind of does with it Um, and doesn't really do much else but I mean it's uh it, but yeah, uh, yeah, you've seen the Death Stone. It's just Shao Kahn's MacGuffin. He's probably got a whole treasure trove of these things that you could just pull out of the, you know, whim. He's probably got he, some device that'll like blow up the ocean he, or something. He, fa- I don't know. <laughs> he found it in the crypt. He had to spend uh, yeah, twenty thousand combat coins to unlock it. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> he just had it on the side. <laughs> he was he he was taxing the poor peasants of Outworld like he was like Sheriff Sheriff John and Robin Hood. Yes, what something. is no one ever asked? What is Shao Kahn's tax policy? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, he lives, like, in a castle and everything like that. Like, we were talking about, you mentioned earlier, like, why is Sonya dressed, like, in a Western wedding dress or whatever? Well, I mentioned earlier that Gorbak, Gor- uh, Goro's father, really looks like a regal Scottish king, like, in his outfit. In Only the, uh, because Tobias of his comic. beard. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, well, wait. it's not just that. It's his robe and it's his crown. That looked like a that looked like a fairly standard Scottish mm-hmm. crown. Um, and I mean, the robe is 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 there too. Outworld is a mishmash of both Asian and European medieval cultures. Yeah, it uh, kind of is. But the answer is why is Sonya wearing a dress? Because LOL, and because you know, yeah, horny artist. Um, yep. And to answer and your because, question, and because you we're see, creative, yes. Uh, <laughs> why, why did why does reptile have telepathic powers? Uh, because yeah, Charles Marshall woke up and he's like, "Fuck, how am I going to write?" Th-? I know, <laughs> reptile. That's that's why. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty yeah. much it. That's pretty yep. much it. And I love the fact that it's just so easy. Like Sonya's like, "You'll never break my will," and then Reptile's like, "Yes, I will break your will." And she's like, Ugh. "Well, I mean, it, to, <laughs> to her credit, they say it took it took a long time." Alina's like, "Boy, it took longer than I thought." <laughs> she's a U.S. motherfucking soldier. Yeah, but man, like overall, like at least like with Battle Waves, as we've kind of like kind of talked about it for the most part, I I generally did I enjoyed it more than Blood and Thunder. It's it's stupid, but it's stupid in my opinion in that charming early '90s comic kind of way. Everything is bad, but I'm I'm enjoying it like I would enjoy like a bad sci-fi or sci-fi channel original movie. Like, like I can have fun with those. Yeah, I enjoyed huh? it um, much, slightly more. Uh, than, than Blood and Thunder, only because Blood and Thunder was so disappointing of this is Mortal Kombat, why are we going through like playing hot potato with a book whereas here, there are at least a lot of different settings and a lot of sense of adventure and it was really stupid and really bad but admittedly kind of fun mm. but man I, after, this, but, I mean, this book didn't make any sense to me so I'm just like, I don't well, don't worry. Oh, I didn't say well, it made any well, sense. Don't worry, you see. We're going into ADD land after this because the next book after Blood, after um, Battle Wave does, really doesn't make any sense. We're talking um, tournament edition. I don't edition. remember much about this book. I didn't, sh- I there's this nothing much to remember. remember. The one Honestly, I didn't thing. remember much about um, uh, Tournament Edition 2. I, I didn't. Um, it, I mean, hell, it even starts with a MacGuffin in the snow, and I don't even know what that MacGuffin that was. That was the most it confusing was, thing to me. Because, yeah, uh, I think I was a little bit asleep. It's it is totally in a corner. Um, boy, I can't remember. Is this the one that ends with that fucking? Yes, no. This is it. I I was felt like I was asleep through most of this. I think it was four in the morning when I read Tournament Edition. But it starts <laughs> out with this dragon medallion in the snow, and apparently yeah. this is this is the tournament. 
the tournament is a battle royale, basically, and all the people who are invited to Outworld, instead of proper matches and all that, it is basically a scavenger hunt. Whoever can make it to the top of whatever mountain they're supposed to find it, whoever finds this medallion and defeats whoever they have to to get it, wins Mortal Kombat. That That is how the tournament works in Tournament Edition. At least it's a contest this time, and not just, let's break into Shang Tsung's house like it was in Tournament Edition 1. So did Battle Wave have to happen? Well, I think Shao Kahn was trying to keep the tournament from happening. That's why Liu Kang, you know, has to deal with ninjas when he's taking a shit, and yeah. why Goro's <laughs> out there while Goro had his own motives. And it was everything, much like Mortal Kombat 2021, was trying to avoid the tournament. And then he was left of no choice. You know, Sonya broke free of Reptile's control, and all these fighters are here. And it's all right then. And I think even Raiden declares at the end of Battle Wave, let's do the tournament. And this is what it I, is. I actually like Shao Kahn's <coughs> speech, though, at the end, because it, it kind of gives you at least somewhat of an interesting perspective on how his brain kind of works. Because in his mind, he's thinking like, I need to conquer Earth because I just want to do it because I, I I felt like I've already done my you know my deed in Outworld and I need more room to expand my power. I already took but a shit in, in Outworld his, and now I want to take a shit in Earth. Yeah, exactly. But he but the way his mindset kind of works is that he feels like he has to figure out a way to like avoid the tournament and basically get get a whole bunch of people like under one tent to actually be controlled by him. But he realizes after Sonya breaks three that there's just no way that that's ever going to happen, which is why he just breaks out into a laugh and realizes a tournament is the only way. It's almost like he just threw his hands up and said, I give up. Sure, we'll have a tournament, guys. Let's just fight it out. Because obviously me trying to manipulate this is no longer going to work because Earthlings are like all stubborn and stuff and don't want to be controlled by Daddy Khan. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, that, that's pretty much more or less it. I eat, but I like the fact that he has this mindset that, like, if he that his his quote unquote way of doing this peacefully is just let me in, let me take over your stuff, and just submit to me like that. Like that's like that's his whole thing. He, I feel like in the very back of his brain, he really doesn't want anybody to fight. But sure, if it happens, it's going to happen. Just it's either fight or obey me. But I would rather you just obey me and not fight. Well, you know (laughs) Um, what? Now that I think about it, no one ever fights him, do they? No, no one ever fights him. The final battle is Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Is it not? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the... the, uh... Boy, yeah, I don't remember all the fights in this. Uh, I know Sighing... They're they're so, like... Sighing and Scorpion square off. I guess I could go open it and kind of speed through here and try to remember. You're not missing much of I have two notes about this book. Yeah. One is that, for whatever reason, Kwai Lang shows up at the end. Kwai Lang? Oh, but that's not Kwai Lang, though. Who is that? It's Sub-Zero, but it's... So, the Sub-Zero and the Malibu comics never changed hands. Like, Sub-Bihan never died in Blood and Thunder. Hydro died. So, because there's still animosity between him and Scorpion, and they still treat him like, I don't think this is... And they never mention that he's a younger son. No, but the the costume is the MK3 costume. It is, because... Okay, here's the time frame. And this is where I was real confused, too. He wins a tournament. Basically, he gets to the top of the mountain where the medallion is, and Scorpion confronts him, and they fight. And Scorpion's even kind of like almost starting to act like Scorpion, where he's starting to be like, I don't really give a shit about killing you, but I guess he does. 
he says, you know, we'll settle this in the afterlife, and he torches him. And it might have been yeah. unclear, but at the last, the last couple shots there is Sub Zero cli- on fire, mind you. Cli- yeah, his, but his, his, and his, his, his mask skin is gone from his home, it, from his hand. I didn't yeah. notice that, but his mask is obviously burnt off, and so basically that's his look now. Now, f- flash forward a few months, and he's doing whatever in Tokyo, and yeah, that is an introduction to the MK3 Sub Zero look, but I think. It's not Kwai Lang, it's still Bihan, because there never was a second Sub-Zero in the Malibu comics. It also just looks like a white dude, though. Yeah, once again. I mean, okay, maybe I'm getting this overcomplicated. Yeah, essentially it is MK3 Sub-Zero, and it's like they're introducing, okay, this is going to be the MK3 story now, which they never do. But uh, And he has red hair, apparently. Yeah, it, it, d- it did look a little weird, and it was very confusing. Well, like, this entire uh, comic is like... Absolutely freaking confusing because one thing, uh, just to kind of note with the art with this, uh, with Tournament oh Edition God. 2, is that so many facial close ups that really have no reason to be there, and so many pain. And it's also errors. weird that, like, a lot of them looks like, like, he does the thing where it looks like a fisheye lens where the head is very round. Yeah. And it looks like you're looking through a peephole kind of thing. Yeah, mm. and the teeth and the teeth in the mouth are teeth extra are wide. Huge. Oh yeah. yeah, I'm looking at a shot but the of thing uh, is like I wonder if it's I don't know if it's the maybe it's the ink the inker who's doing this but like in some panels like or some pages the the line weight and the oh cross hatching weight it's so thick that there's more shadow than color. It's more black than anything else in the Yeah, page. I feel you there. And it's it's like I cuz like in some of the other comics there's a lot of cross hatching but it's not like as thick as it is in some of these pages. And it's not even consistent within this comic book. God, I'm yeah, looking at really, one, one one frame where where Raiden attacks Baraka from behind and Baraka's face looks like it's about to explode. Yeah, yeah, that's so and, crazy. and you see a lot of close-ups. Like, there's a there's a face where like Kentaro has Jacks, like I guess in a um, in a full Nelson or like in a full Nelson lock or something, and they just do a close-up of his face that takes up like seventy five percent of the entire page, and it's just obnoxious. Like, and it's the same type of face as Baraka's in the panel that you're just referring to, Josh. It's um it's ridiculous, and a lot of this stuff I can't tell what's going on there's colors everywhere it looks like a mess and the compositing is overlaying some of the other panels and it just because trying to show just chaos and and if you're trying to show chaos i I guess you did it right but it's just unfortunate i can't tell what is i don't know where my eye is supposed to go yeah i forgot about that panel kentaro j that you're talking about i'm looking at it right now it looks like that fucking show from mtv what was it called Oh, the Max. The Max. It looks about. like that. It looks like yeah. some crazy over-the-top empty. And I kind of like it. I like how exaggerated it is. It's crazy. Uh, it should I mean, be noted here, too, that Jax is wearing the uniform from the Tobias comic again. This weird is, X, yeah. X-Force fucking uniform. But also, yeah. we've set the precedent in this comic of explaining how Jax gets metal arms. Yeah. Because Baraka swipes because, him with blood, mind yeah. you. And they mention later that you know his arms are damaged, and it's like, oh, they're setting yeah, it up. And he's, they're setting it up, and he's and he's got to go. It's get the dumbest arms. way, though. Yeah, it the is. Last dumb. Thing, one of the last things you see, you see uh, him say, uh, what does it say? Uh, <coughs> he said, "When we get home, we're going to get him some metal arms." He's like, 
Cause Why is that the conclusion? That's the first thing you think of. Well, apparently, because that's what Special Forces specializes in. Because we've had Lance, uh, who had a stretchy metal arm. <laughs> and I've already read the beginning, and Jay's read all of Special Forces. We have a guy with metal arms who's called Torque. Apparently, that's just something Special Forces specializes in. Yeah, apparently tax, they tax specialize in, in, me- like in metalized <laughs> arms or something that work. And... All, but yeah, I, I just find it funny that like Barack is just so dang triggered and apparently he's just so triggered like all the time that he's like, yeah, I'm just going to slice Jax's arms up and then I'm just going to run off. And then before he runs off, Raiden just like nukes his brain or something and then oh. nuts down and then they just leave him there. And it should be noted, it's all coming back to me as we're talking about it and I'm flipping through a dramatic moment where Raiden sacrifices himself and like fucks everybody up. And it's also like there's there's so many conscious you know, choices here to set up MK3 because Braden is an MK in MK3 and this is why he sacrifices mm. himself. So this is a big what the fuck moment, Raiden, man. It's like an annihilation when, when Shao Kahn kills him. <laughs> you know, one of the greatest moments ever in cinema. In cinematic history, you know, yeah. I know I, I was shocked. <laughs> God. Yeah, and there's... Uh, yeah, and the... But yeah, just I'm kind of flipping through this book too, and good God, like this art really is absolutely all over the place. Like I see what Patrick Rollo is trying to do, but I don't think he's doing a very good job with these like colors. He re- like what? And really, the colors are not him because it's really his yeah, pencil. Yeah, Whoever him, but... colored this, really, I don't think did a good job with balancing this out because for the most part, this entire comic is just a mess. It is such a mess. I will say it's pretty cray. <laughs> Uh, there's some panels that are better than other but yeah yeah, it's pretty cray yeah it's kind of it's kind of chaotic one thing we didn't mention is that I think both Jay and I started to read tournament edition before realizing Mm -hmm. because Josh told us that we had to read Battle Wave Wave first and can I be honest with you because I remember being like man this is a really confusing way to start a book like this is just like in the middle of the whole thing I'll be honest, reading Battle Wave did not help. Like, <laughs> this book is still, like, very all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, what? We've established that Katana, Kung Lao, and Baraka are a crew. And, like, in the first couple of pages, Baraka attacks Jax. Then he gets knocked out. Then Katana decides that she's going to, like, fake betray the crowd and tries to hook up with Shang Tsung and Melina. Melina doesn't fall for her crap. And then while that's happening, Kano is fighting other people while all this is going on. And then, like, freak, I don't know, Jax wakes up and fights Kintaro and can somehow barely still move. And then Scorpion and Sub-Zero are fighting. Sang is in this comic, too. Yeah, I'm at the panel you're talking about. What is going on Uh, here? You are right. Uh, Scorpion does defeat Siang. It does look like they're having, like, an accord. And he smashes the the Death Stone or whatever and then just fucking finishes Siang. Yeah, that's why I said that. I guess the arc was that Sang was killed technically by... By Goro when they fought that one time, well, and no, then when they, they merged as one being, one of them stayed alive. Yeah, but when they merged as one being, they were perma merged, and basically they couldn't die or something like that. And then Scorpion is like, "I'll free your soul with the Death Stone." He does, but then when Sang's like, "I'm finally free," Scorpion just throws a spear at him and it kills him. And he's like, "Only the dead, only the dead are free." And I'm just sitting here like, "Well, that was pointless. Damn. Like, there's no, there was no reason for this." <laughs> 
Like, absolutely none. <laughs> and here we have a bow beating down a reptile. So he, he, hmm. he gets his own punches in there a little bit. Is that the fucking end of the book? Oh, no. And then the very end of the book is, yeah, Sub-Zero and Scorpion. Dude, the art for Sub-Zero oh, yeah. just gets progressively worse. In this comic, I'm looking at panel uh, page 36. Like, it's right after Scorpion blasts Sub-Zero after he takes his mask off and you see the skull. And Sub-Zero gets hit in the back. And there are so many... So I have so many anatomy there, there questions. There is some cool like, shit about that. Yeah, like, okay, I do... I, it is kind of a mess, but I... Go back to the, the previous page of Scorpion about his mask, and once again, it looks like MTV's The Max or whatever the fuck that is. There's some... Except he looks just like Kentaro, so I guess... Yeah. There, but there, there, there is some, <laughs> but dude, some like, exaggerated like, style here. I do kind of dig. But dude, there is all types of stuff going on. Like, like, like when Patrick Rollo drew this panel of Sub-Zero getting hit, I mean, the emotion is conveyed well enough, but just the body is so dang wrong like every everything is broken like apparently when scorpion blasts him with fire his bicep his neck his jaw his leg like contorted itself in ways that are not humanly possible like it's just it, it's it's bad i think you're being um, a little just, cruel on it his one arm is stretching forward and his arms by the way are made out of about 50 different must like arms stitched together uh like that that, that arm on the left <laughs> Looks like it's bending backwards. It, yeah, yep. okay, it kind of does, yeah. Yep. Look at his abs, though, man, in this panel. Like, what is going on with his abs? There's, like, something popping out, like it's like he's got a cancer tumor or something. Like, it, it's just... Hair. Yeah. Y- yeah. And his leg, there's there's muscles there. Like, you know what this is? This is someone... I've seen this. I, I've only... I've seen this enough just because I went to art school. This is... Someone who had a great plan for a shot, but didn't, but didn't reference any anatomy for it. He just kind of drew what he thought was there. And he, and if you, and if you look at Sub Zero's outfit and look at how clean cut it is compared to you know the rest of the body, he's trying to hide it. There's or, a lot of hiding going on, or, <laughs> and you okay. can tell he really hid the foot because the mask is covering Sub Zero's left foot entirely. He's hiding that foot hmm. <laughs> completely. That's that Rob Liefeld. God damn it! Yeah, yeah he's doing. Yeah, out. he's channeling some Rob Liefeld in this panel. I was right about here. to try to say, are you sure that maybe he just didn't want to be super exaggerated because this is a full page splash of him getting blasted by fire? And well, to kind of. But no, Jay, I you're think, right. Looking, the more I look at it. I think, well, one thing you'll notice is that progressively the art does, like, it's all, the art is already a little crazy and chaotic, but it's at least, like, there's some focus there. But when you look at these last couple of panels, I just think that, I just think that the artists and the colorists, too, are just getting tired. Like, they're trying to probably rush this thing out and trying to get it done. Because some of the, because especially some of these, like, last panels are just very unclean. They're sketchy. I swear this book has like five different teams working on it at the same time. Yeah. The art is not consistent. It's really kind of not. And I think they were rushing it. They were probably on tight deadlines, um, which oh. is just which is just a thing for a thing for a lot of artists. So, I know I know we're yeah. kind of like or at least or at least me, I'm kind of giving them the art a lot of shit, but in reality, I'm sitting here thinking this guy probably rushed this. Like if he would have had more time to really look at this and had and ha- and just spent like more time on it, then he probably could have done a better job because the last shot of Sub Zero with red hair for some reason, Ugh. the anatomy looks way way better than that shot of him getting blasted in the back by Scorpion. His and face I just think, looks like shit though. 
Oh, his face looks god-awful. And that is definitely a Rob Liefeld pose because look at the legs. You know, the, the feet are tucked behind him. The quads are bulging up in front and he's jumping in the air. <laughs> that is a Rob Liefeld pose through and through. It's like, it, like it's, 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 a, it's a pretty standard thing. And I look at this panel and I'm like, I don't know why I'm supposed to be impressed. And there's an obviously photoshopped moon in the background with a... I thought it was uh, a giant snowball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it looked like that a little bit. <laughs> and, it's got, and it's also got like, um, what is it? There's a texture in Photoshop that does this exact yeah, thing. Yeah, the, that, the, that the, the texture goes. apply, granite. It just whatever. looks like an out-of-focus picture that they just... Yeah. Which again just illustrates just this comic, or at least the art in it. Unfortunately, is if anything is just lazy, um, which is kind of sad. Uh, luckily, some of the other guest artists um, that were in this uh, that were in this uh, uh, that were in the Battlewave comic, uh, Vincent H. His art is not. I'm not going to say it's anything to write home about, but it's better than this. I can. I, it, yeah. it feels a lot less chaotic um, than whatever's going on over here. The thing is, like. Th- some of the place, the pages where it has like really thick line work, line weight. I dig the idea of thick line weight like that. It's just too much. Yeah, it's not consistent. It's I agree much. with you. It's not consistent. Yeah, it feels at all. it feels toned down a bit. The thick line weight could be really cool stylistically. Mm. I think. Yeah, it's just way too much to the point where it's just like there's more black than like any other color. Do you know, Josh, hard. that if if they ever. Do you know, Josh, if they ever made like another comic after this one? Because again, it sets up a lot of stuff no, that no, feel like did. that should have been an, uh, a continuing story. Because we don't know what happened to like Liu Kang, or did Jax actually get back home to get his metal arms? No. You know what happened? They're, they're obviously setting up to do an MK3 run, but I guess uh, you know I don't know the history of it. Uh, but I guess shit didn't sell as good as they wanted to because the next Mortal Kombat comic anything is Mortal Kombat 4 and that's not Malibu that's Midway so ah. uh, I guess yeah this is the this is the end of an era right here you're looking at and it ends what a way and it ends with a photoshopped moon with a badly applied out of focus texture and Sub-Zero's face with red hair and a very contorted face and bulging Liefeld quads okay yeah. that's pretty it pretty bad uh, cut to cut to credits Mortal Kombat <laughs> Should we move on to the one shots? I yeah, guess let's move yeah. on to the one shots. Uh, tournament edition. Now that I look at it, it is quite different from Battle Wave in its own special way. And honestly, looking at the art, maybe I'm going to be favorable to it. I kind of want to flip through it again. Uh, the art's crazy. It's cray, but I, I, it's better than fucking tournament edition MK1, which was just a random fights inside Shang Tsung's house with a couple nice moments. I'd have to look at it again, but I don't know, man. It's like I read, I read, um, I read Tournament Edition first, and then I read, or at least the this one here first, and I and I, I expected to be lost, but I figured there there would at least be some self contained story in this. But no, it's a direct sequel to Battle Wave, and yeah, I agree with you. Seeing Battle Wave really didn't help much, but I, but really, when I think about this one. I at least can remember some things in Battle Wave that I generally did enjoy for like the lulls and the fun. But in this one, the art is so all over the place. I can't like it's all a blur. Like all those like color splashes and chaotic paneling and all this and all the extra mumbo jumbo. It just like in my head, it's all a big messy blur. I can't really recall much other than like 
Baraka's big, huge face and Kentaro's big, huge face and someone else's big, huge face. Like, that's all I got. <laughs> a lot of big, that's huge all... faces, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of big, huge face in this issue. But yeah, I, I think if I had to rate these comics as from, like, I guess best to worst from this run, Tournament Edition 2 would easily be the worst one out of this. I, I didn't like it at all, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Because I was just confused. I think the next one is going to be the worst <laughs> one. <laughs> so, so we're doing Kung Lao? Is that, is that where we're going? We're going to yeah, Kung Lao? Uh, let's go to Kung Lao. Um, All actually, right, let's go uh, to Kung Lao. Yeah, uh, chronologically, um, that is the next one that uh, was written. Well, I mean, they were released interspersed throughout Battle Wave. So actually, we're kind of going out of order technically. But it was... Uh, it's out of my reach. I have my fucking uh, notes up here. On my desk, but uh, I think they were released in order of Kung Lao, Baraka, and then Katana Melina. But it was interspersed throughout uh, Battle Wave. But uh, yeah, gotcha. it's fucking going. It, this is the last one I read, but uh, also, yeah, least favorite. But you see, I'll let you dump on that because I know you loved you loved this one, right? Right, right. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. Come on, you seen. T- tell us your thoughts. Give us your critique. <laughs> Uh, I wrote so I wrote a note that basically was kind of a summary. Should I just go with that right now? Sure. First word, pointless. <laughs> <laughs> this whole thing was pointless. Uh, cliched vision quest plot where he finds out that Shank, he finds out what that Shank, that Shao Kahn knows of their plan, and I guess that's because of reptile. Yeah, uh, it's reference. It's very it's heavily ta- references what happened in Battle Wave. Yeah is attacked by Shang Tsung, who morphs into his other teammate, which I feel like it's one of the few times we actually see him, like, change form. Yeah. Right? And even morphs into which, Kung Lao and refers to it as a mirror match. As a mirror match. I kind of like that. Which, So I like the fact that he was actually using his powers. Yeah. And that he... It was it was dumb, but I like the mirror match thing. Uh, so then he turns into the great Kung Lao, big, who big somehow shot. holds back... Huh? Big shock. Right. Actually, the jet was kind of then, surprised. That was one good moment. Eh. Mm. Uh, and then he, uh, Great Kung Lao, somehow holds back Shang Tsung's consciousness long enough for him to get kicked out of his own body, and then that's it. Yeah. And also, not one freaking hat was thrown throughout the whole comic that is called Kung Lao. <laughs> There was no hat throw. There was no hat slice. There was no teleportation. There was nothing. He put his hat down next to the fire that he was meditating in front of. Then he put his hat on, and then that's it. Yeah, dude. What is the point of this comic book? It is probably the most least. Because I've read the Katana Molina one. We're not talking about it this episode, and it was it was kind of very short, like this. But I, I and it could have done a lot more. But I dug it. Uh, we're all happy with the Baraka one, kind of, maybe when we get to it. But this one, you're right. The fuck happens. There's no point, because we know that, Shang Tsung, uh, that Shao Kong knows about it because he already confronted, uh, well, he captured Reptile again in, what was it, Battle Wave? He didn't capture Reptile, but yeah. Well, ca- well, Reptile was hiding, right? Right. He was afraid to talk to his boss, but he, right. he kind of like, like a sitcom, he falls through the ceiling. It's like, oh, shit. <laughs> And he, yeah, know, so that was that was I think that was in Battle Wave, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we already got that part. Why did we need the whole vision quest of uh, Kung Lao to see his death and like 
so like he, he saw like himself and Sub Zero and I think Katana. It was only one page, though, on, like, right? Spike. But that, oh, just, oh, 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 <laughs> that that yeah, the beginning that was kind of cool because yeah. that was like the future that hasn't happened yet. That was them like crucified on spikes and stuff. That shit was kind of scary. It's like the scene he, of Batman versus said Superman. Nothing, though. Yeah, I mean, he's it's what would happen if he didn't. I don't know. He didn't do anything. Fight Shang Tsung, I guess. Uh. <laughs> Shang Tsung comes to attack him. He didn't attack Shang Tsung. Right. Shang Tsung does the whole smoke thing and illusion and stuff, and then he starts morphing into other characters, and then he forms into Great Kung Lao. It's just like, what did he learn from this? Like he freed he freed his ancestor. Okay. <laughs> I'm actually going to be soft I, I, on this because I did like that moment where it was like, like I wasn't expecting it. Oh shit! Here's Great Kung Lao in the flesh, more or less, and he's got to fight say Kung that, Lao. I want to say I feel like it should have been in something bigger, I, I or wanna, something more meaningful. Yeah, I want to say I'm, I think like I, like my interpretation of this when I read it, like I thought for the most part, you see, and I agree with you, it was pretty pointless, but it definitely felt more like I guess you could say like a character piece. Like this was just about. Kung Lao meditating, and then Shang Tsung just oh. comes just to mess with his brain a little bit. And That's what all these one-shots are. They're character he, he, pieces. But. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but at least for him, it tried to, like, do... It tried to, like, basically give you an idea about some inner conflict with Kung Lao that really was never addressed. And so this one-shot just kind of, like, made it up, you know, for, I, for what it was till now. See, I agree with you. It's pointless to do. I'm just telling you what I think, what they were trying to go for. Well, the thing is, like... Like of of course, like I don't want this to just be like one big action comic where like he just he just does his uh, moves and he does the fatality and then ooh and that's it. I would like for there to be some kind of exploration into his his character, but at the beginning it just says like he was a a person a soul that was meant to fail or something like that. Mm. Like there's this whole thing where it's like he he feels like he was he's a failure or he meant he was meant to fail or something like that, and he has to learn to. Like overcome that feeling, I guess. I think that's tied to the, to him being banished in Outworld at the beginning of uh, Battle Wave or in uh, Blood and Thunder. I guess so, but it just it doesn't feel like he actually addresses that. Or that uh, I guess he feels that way too because his ancestor failed; he lost the Goro, so he's got a legacy but of failure or some shit. It just doesn't it like the whole. Great Kung Lao thing only happens in the last like three to four pages of this comic book. Right. The rest of it is him just fighting off other characters that Shang Tsung is like turning into. I did. I, like, I, I will. I will say I did actually chuckle at one line um, in this comic. It's when like Baraka and Kung Lao are fighting, and then Kung Lao is like Baraka. I thought you were one of us. What like or like saying I thought you were fighting with us? And then um, Barack is like, "I'm fighting with you right now." Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That I, was I, a pretty I good actually chuckled at that. I was I like, "Okay, that was actually pretty." That was. Oh wow, yeah. Good. Now it's coming back to me. This is the last comic I read, and yeah, he does fight basically his whole team. Was that a dream or did that happen in real life? I can't fucking remember now. No, I think it, it's it's, 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 it's Shang Tsung. Yeah, Shang it's Shang Tsung. Basically, because Kung Lao was with Katana, over. Baraka, and Sub Zero, right. and he does encounter them, which is why this one is very much married to Battle Wave. Yeah, except that yeah, it's it's not consequential. It just, it's just him on a vision quest, basically. I just feel like he didn't really learn anything. 
I don't think he did either. Yeah, like that could have used a little bit like, more. Yeah, he, uh, he confronted in the his. Uh, he 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 freed his ancestor's soul, which is cool. But I would have loved if that was preceded by some kind of like. Uh, I don't know, just some kind of character development. You're not really a failure, Kung Lao. You're a winner because remember when you did this or just search inside yourself and he just gets a little more self-confidence. Something as simple as that. Anything. It just felt like this just fell flat and they were just kind of throwing stuff vaguely into the comic to just make it seem like you're looking into his mind but you're not really. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a really weird one-off, and I don't feel like I've learned anything about Kung Lao in this. Yeah, I'll give I'll give that to you. Yeah, I'll give that to like, you. That's too. my thing. I I don't care if in like the grand scheme of things, I don't care if he doesn't do any of his iconic moves or anything. Like if if it was a, just a character story where he you actually learn something about Kung Lao, it's the same thing with any of these comics. Like really, I just. I would just like to learn more about the characters, flush out something, because that's something that you get an advantage of with, you know, comic books, that you get the time to explore certain characters or whatever. Boy, which is why all these Malibu comics are kind of disappointing, you know, me, like the Scorpion is just like generic villain. You got all this fucking opportunity to do new things and different things, and they do do new things, but it's like they do so little of all these characters, really. Yeah. Yeah, they really kind of That's what makes it, that's... And it's frustrating. And that's, what, that's why the, uh, the the midway ones with Tobias feel more refreshing is that they like they actually feel like the characters. They may not they may not you know progress much story wise or anything, but like they feel like they're in their own world and they feel like they're acting the way that they would normally act. Yeah. And what and I like, I guess, to put on you do get stuff like the whole scorpion thing where he wants to protect. Yeah, I was gonna bring that up. Like that, that right there, that one page in um, Collector's Edition Two has more character for Scorpion, and I feel like he's more impactful in that one page than the entire run of Battle Wave, like the whole thing. Because in Battle Wave, he's just standing there waving the Death Stone around, and like I don't know, I had a lot of impact in that one full page spread of him and all his like minions. <laughs> it looks like he's doing his, John Travolta broken arm. Uh, the fucking Saturday Night Fever move. <laughs> yeah, with his, where one of his arms is broke. I'm surprised. Um, I'm surprised that's not a meme somewhere because it's such it's such a funny pose. Let's make it a meme. Like that, so, like that's that's a cover we, to our show. That's that's what I'm gonna do for our cover image. I was gonna say that has to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah make that the cover. In a square. That's fine. Um. My like when we first decided, oh, we're gonna do, you know, we were trying to figure out what comics to read for the second episode. And when we went to the Kung Lao one, I was like, I mean, I didn't know anything about what the story would be. I was hoping like an exploration into why he was like, why he left the the Shaolin Temple or the Order of Light. That would have been cool. Like, like it, it as cliche as probably is to like have like an origin story like that. If there's anybody who would, who I feel would be interesting to have an origin story, it's Kung Lao, since like he was such a mysterious character in the beginning of the franchise. Like it would have been cool to explore why he left and what he did when he left, 
and like yeah. what made him the person he is when he comes back to Mortal Kombat. Like that's what I was hoping. Something like that I was hoping to see from a comic that's titled Kung Lao, you know? <laughs> and instead we just Titled Kung Lao. Kung Lao. Oh, I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm laughing because like, I feel like, bad for you. Yeah, I feel you on that one. I mean, like the, the, the comment that we're going to talk about next, Baraka, even though it's still a part of, you know, the whole battle wave thing, it, I felt for him in that it comment. Explores, it, ta- it makes an attempt to explore his character where, uh, unlike how this one um, doesn't. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, I don't really have anything else to say about this outside from like, the art in this is pretty bad too. Oh, art's fucking hard. That, that's probably the say say what you want about tournament editions, crazy out there art. Uh, at least it's something. This one is just kind of bland. Some some yeah, panels are great. Uh, Shang Tsung looks cool. Is that last shot of Kung Lao looking up? He's supposed to be happy. He looks like he looks. He, he looks like he's got a couple screws knocked loose when he took off his hat. <laughs> He looks like a character from... I can't place it. It's like some kind of weird... Hey Arnold or something. He looks like he's supposed to be a 3D character for like Gumbo, like Gumby. God damn. I don't know. Yeah. There's a shot of Shao Kahn in the beginning of that comic where he's in a side profile looking out the window and he's all smiley and I'm just like... Oh. And I'm just like, it's so bad. It's like he drew that in like two seconds. Man, and I need to go back to this. You know, and it's also, it's also one of those comics where it feels like the style of the penciler and the style of the colorist don't match. Mm. Kind of. I don't know. It's really. Oh it's my god! Really weird... I just, I just went, and the last, the first thing I see is that last shot of Kung Lao looking up, and my god, dude, look at page, oh. page three where it shows like oh Shang Tsung and this one's terrifying. His, his whole team. It's like fucking. It's some uncanny valley shit. It almost looks like a character really from is. like the scary stories to tell in the dark, where there's just something wrong with them, and it's. Oh, uh, you know that. You know that. Um, that game what was what's the one with the fish with the fa- the human face with a sea man or something. God, I, I don't know. Jay probably has seen something about that. It's like an old game from like the PS One era or something like that, where it's like Abe, uh, Abe's like, Odyssey. Wait, what? Uh, I don't know what it is. It's like a fish with a human head and like an antenna. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so this was um, actually what you're talking about is that Leonard Nimoy did the uh, narration for this game. And it's basically a a, a simulator where you have to create a new life in this aquarium and you have to feed it and all this other thing. Yeah, it, it's a weird game, but yeah, like, uh, but yeah, like the new life form is this fish thing with a human face, and you have to like feed it and take care of oh, it. Oh yes, pretty, I know exactly what you're talking and, about. And I pretty much that. the entire game is incredibly uncanny valley because when you look at this thing, it just looks, it just has this deadpan face the Boy, whole time. Man, looks, you just—that's what Kung Lao looks. You just yeah. brought back like like old nostalgia weird things from video game magazines i remember that game yeah but yeah okay i'm looking at page three uh, looking right at now. like oh like that page after the shao Kahn one mm-hmm. where it shows shang Tsung with his team yeah i like that walking. shot because it's totally a fucking slow-mo you know my crew me and my crew i get what they were going for but none of the proportions work yeah it really kind of doesn't I, like i guess like goro i mean they all look play doughy but is, Goro looks insanely wide. 
<laughs> like even for Goro. Yeah. Like that's just and then just yeah. Some of the people look really short, even though they're supposed to be far Scorpion's away. Scorpion's tiny back there. Scorpion's tiny. Scorpion's tiny because he's like far in the background behind Shang Tsung, but then Goro. It's so big. Judging, it's like he looks like he's right next to them. Goro must be a hundred feet tall then, judging by that, because he's so big. Yet That's he's in saying. the background. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> Oh man, it's such a yeah. That, yeah that's the, that was another thing. That just like on top of the lackluster story, just like the art was just. Yeah, I'm looking lacking. through it. Yeah, the art the art's pretty shitty. It is, uh, except um, for I do like that I, first panel with all the 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 fucking nightmare vision. Uh, it's it's kind of well nightmarish. Uh, what is it? Yeah, okay, that one shot of Baraka crucified in his dead Lunging face. It. Yeah, it's pretty... Oh, yeah, yeah, And Sub-Zero... Then it's ruined because you see Shao Kahn in the bottom left and he looks like... What the fuck is that? It looks like fan art. Yeah, it really <laughs> kind of does. like bad fan art. But luckily, luckily, the Baraka one-shot, which is... This would be a great transition to that. Yes. Um, and uh, the final comic done, we're which, talking which about. I need, to, I need to issue a huge correction, guys, and I feel bad. So... Hmm. The guest artist for Battle Wave, who I said is Vincent H., um, I butchered his name so bad I didn't even get his first name right. It's not Vincent, it's Vinton, and I oh, feel wow. terrible. It's Vinton Hewick. Vinton Hewick, Hewick. Oh, yeah. Hewick. No one can blame you or for auto-completing Hewick. Vincent in your brain. Hewick. <laughs> but Vinton Hewick, I think, has been in this run of comics that we read, has definitely been um, one of the better artists, if not like the best artist on this, because he actually knows what it means to panel, and his art is actually not terrible. It's actually pretty good. It's a bit sketchy and a bit um, cross-hatchy, but not the same way that Patrick Rollo's is. He actually keeps himself a yeah. lot this more under control. feels a bit, a bit more normal, kind of like uh, Tobias, but not... Like, Tobias is, a bit, is more simple. Yeah, like his 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 anatomy is a lot more clear than this, but this one isn't as exaggerated as like uh, Rolla. But yeah, um, but yeah, in this uh, in, um, in this one, and and I and I think from all the comics that we read for like everything, I feel like that this one is actually my actually my favorite. But it's kind of setting its own low bar. Um, Josh and I talked about this uh, uh, before we started recording this a little bit, but I agree with him that... You talked without me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we were waiting on you. Without you. Yeah, we were waiting on you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but this comic, um, uh, or at least this comic addressing Baraka's character, kind of does the, the typical cliche thing, like very much the... Um, what is that movie with Jean Renault? The Assassin? Where, like, Leon it's, the Professional? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The professional. You, you take um, where, a guy who's supposed to be cold and heartless, and you give him a heart. Yeah, and you give him, a, or you give him a baby. You give him yeah. a baby, or you give him a child. Well, and then give all him of a sudden, baby like they're true. Natalie Portman. <laughs> yeah, or something like that. <laughs> and this comic is pretty much one of those. Baraka's just kind of doing his thing, slicing and dicing some people up, and then <laughs> like one of the do. female members of his clan, which are blue, apparently. Uh, yeah, um, uh, which I will note to, to dial back to what I said earlier that they didn't establish Tarkatans yet, just mutants, and she is a mutant. She looks nothing like Baraka. I thought I was reading an X-Men comic at some point. I was like, because there's a blue baby. I was like, wait, is that Mystique? I'm very I know, right? I love that the title, by the way, of this, of this issue is Babality. Yep. Yeah. And also, this is totally uh, the, the Mandalorian before the Mandalorian. 
because you have a cute baby. Yeah, yeah, it is. You have a cute alien baby and a badass who has to protect it. Yep. That's mm-hmm. that's fucking Mandalorian. I never watched the Mandalorian, but that's a Mandalorian. And, and as cli- like and as cliche and as cliche as that is, um, I will say it works. Like it, it like it works for a character like Baraka. I mean, obviously, it's a story you've seen a million times, but. You know, it's cliche for a reason because these things tend to hit home and they tend to work. And I feel mm-hmm. like for this, I feel like for Baraka, it absolutely totally works. And it's just really just him just re- basically raising this kid and keeping him away from the Emperor. But it definitely has um, probably one of my favorite pages, actually my favorite page in this entire comics run, which is page six of this one shot, where like Baraka is walking through the living forest and all the living forest trees are like making fun of him because he's like stone cold Baraka and he's got like you know this cute baby with him and and they make fun of him and I was just laughing the whole time (laughs) dude these are some toxic trees oh yeah I was gonna say some of these they're like homophobic and everything some of (laughs) of these jokes might not fly today let's see oh Uh, definitely not oh no one of the lines is literally mother Baraka maybe he'll settle down and find himself a husband like holy crap (laughs) yep Yep, these are some toxic trees. But you know, I don't expect I don't expect anything else out of the Living Forest. It seems like every single comic that Charles Marshall the Third has um has written. Wait, did he write this shit? Yeah, he wrote this. Okay, yeah. But he but even in his previous comics, when the Living Forest was talking to whoever, like dude, like the Living Forest, they're nothing but a bunch of trolly trees. Uh, like they just troll people. I'm gonna and, like, precursor just, this. Uh... It's just a shame we're not reading it uh, this episode, but I've already read it. Just wait till we get to Katana Molina, uh, in reference to the living oh, to the living forest. <laughs> I can't oh, wait. Boy. It's a sm- it's a small oh, moment boy. in that comic, but it's it's it'll make you laugh anyway. Yeah, but yeah, but I love I love how Baraka like silences them. Like they're all just giving him shit, and then he just like throws out his blade, you know, like snick. <laughs> I was like, looking. He does a he does a Wolverine. Yeah, he, he does, does a Wolverine, Wolverine and I the trees look, shut up. <laughs> I was looking because I, I I wasn't quite sure if that was it or if he actually impaled one in the eye. But I guess it was just him trying to scare them. Yeah, I was I was looking. I was like, did he slice them all or something? And then like, no, he just kind of intimidated them all. Yeah, to shut up because they remember. Oh shit, that um, Kung Lao guy just killed one of us with just his fists. I better fucking shut up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it is it's an interesting thing because like he doesn't know what to do with this baby, but the last thing that the mother said was, "Don't let uh, Shao uh, Shao Kahn capture the kid because he's very the kid is the key to I don't know." Saving the world. He's John Connor. Or she. I think it's a she, actually, but yeah. So he doesn't know what to do with it, but he feels responsible, and he's like, I gotta give this to someone. And he thinks about all of his, like, teammates, which is Sub-Zero and Kung Lao and Kitana, but previously he kind of pushed them away because he was being very uh, impatient. He's being Baraka. Yeah, he he, he just wanted to slice and dice. He didn't want to go with the plan. So he pushed them away, and now he's regretting it because he's like, Baraka. I can't really go to them now and like Baraka ask them to help. take care of a baby. Yeah, he needs help and he can't go to them to, for help. And it's like, dang, you feel bad for him because yeah. he's actually regretting his decision. Man, wow, you're right. That is, I have some criticisms I'll say in a little bit about as far as making Baraka the, the heart of gold thing. But that one moment where he's like, Baraka actually need help. And I'm like, oh, yep. yeah. And that, it's that is, like, that's in, a pretty real moment. And, 
and it's and it's actually one of the few times I will say that that moment right there where you actually kind of feel for Baraka in that like like in that period of time, it's actually earned because he's been consistently just the triggered dick who just who, who gets triggered by everything and pushes everybody away, betrays everybody, and you just he's just angry. And then like this is the one time where he's like, oh my god, I actually do need help, but I've been a dick to everybody. This kind of sucks, and I'm just sitting here like, yeah. You have been, and it's one of those things where it feel it feels fairly it feels like a reaction that is earned. Uh, one of the few times in this comic run where it does feel earned. It's a low bar though, um, because it's a low bar. But he's also a very like primal person. Yeah, so he's not gonna go through those uh, thought exercises unless, like, the only reason that it triggered is because of his instinct. His instinct was, I need help. And then he was thinking about who to help, and he's like, I can't. I've pushed everybody away. You know, this is one that, uh, it's a one-shot, but it definitely benefits from having Red Battle Wave. Yeah, it does. Because it it, it Mm. does set up so much uh, to where it it mattered a little in Kung Lao, and it's not going to matter at all in the Katana Molina one, I'm just going to tell you. But here, it's like, boy, this is what comics should do. Build up characters and have moments like these. Yep. Fuck, is, you know is what this, this the best you know comic? what Battle Wave didn't maybe. You know what Battle Wave didn't set up though? Freaking Noob Saiba. Right yeah. out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> Once again, nowhere. a character that, that these writers had not, no idea what to Well fuck, even John Tobias wouldn't have known what to do with him because he didn't even know about Noob Saiba until he yeah, it's true. And you know, they didn't make up the whole Bihan shit until the Nether or I'm sorry, the, the PS two games, so we're just gonna. Fuck I do like that with. they gave him a spear as well. It's like screw. Yeah, because it's the games. I think he has a spear. Yeah, and you know what, Noob Saiba, pretty cool guy. Apparently, yeah, yeah. yeah he had bad. the best. He had the best interests of the child's at heart. I I actually give credit to this comic to where like Baraka, for all intents and purposes, really kind of fails. Like he basically can't protect this child. Like he does manage to kind of like. You know, defeat Scorpion, I guess, but more like Scorpion. After he looks at the baby, he's like, "Oh wait, did I have a family at one point in my life?" Which I thought was actually kind of dumb um, at that point. Like, now, oh, now Scorpion realizes yeah. he had a family. Well, you know, yeah, it's like I've uh, can't remember what it was like before this goddamn ghost shark. You know? y- yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like, uh, but yeah, like Baraka actually kind of fails in this comic, and the last page where. He realizes that he failed. Is on. I actually admit I felt sorry for him. I'm like, oh, poor Baraka. I'm so sorry, dude. Like, I actually, I actually did kind of feel for him, and and that just kind of shows like this one, this one shot comic actually did kind of nail what a one shot actually kind of should be, at least mm. somewhat in terms of writing. It just kind of again, it, it's just only guilty of setting the bar fairly low, so it was easy to succeed. I mean, I don't think you can do that all the time, but. Luckily, Baraka had a pretty simple character arc in Battle Wave, which is just, I'm just angry all the time and I get triggered at everything. So it's pretty easy to justify a story like this. Um, so it's low-hanging fruit, but still, you know, it succeeds nonetheless. And I'm actually quite happy. And we had no character development for Scorpion through Battle Wave, just, hey, 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 look at my minions. And actually, in this one shot, we actually get a little bit of uh, character development from Scorpion, because we find out he has a family. Boy, are you sure Charles Marshall wrote this? I'm gonna go back to the fucking titles. Yeah. Yeah, there is some depth. No joke, he did. Damn. 
Well, he, yeah. he was on a good week then. This this. Point. But here's a question. Yeah. Who the heck is the baby? I don't know. We never find we don't out. Know. It's fucking. Like this is supposed to happen in the middle of Battle Wave, right? Right. But there's no mention of the kid in Battle Wave itself, right? Because yeah. this is this is a side story. This is something that Shao Kahn probably knows about, but he's not going to talk about it during Battle Wave. Uh, you know, she, but, she's, but she's, like, she's even she's in Joanne, like comic book, it, she's hmm? Joanne Connor. You know, she's going to lead the next rebellion against Shao Kahn or something. But like. I thought maybe this would be a reference to someone that appears later on in the game. Dude, you're giving them way too many expectations here. They they can't Why is they can't baby? they can't follow canon with the characters they have. You think they're fucking gonna make up a character? It's it doesn't matter who the baby is. Doesn't matter. You already you have to understand what the mutant said. She's important. The emperor wants her, so she's gonna be some great leader someday. That's all you need to know. It's John Connor. It's like is this Chronica or something? I I mean. Well, that'd be weird, because um, she, <laughs> she was there the whole time. And, yeah, Chronica's a titan. Uh, I was going to say Devorah, but, oh, you right, know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't but, know. Man, uh, like, I, like, I just not realized this, because I've been flipping through this, but one thing Charles Marshall does, again, dialogue with him, besides referring to people all the time in the third person, one thing he loves to do is that any character at any point in time will always say the words most dearly or most dire or mostly or like a most this. It's almost like he's a 90s like villain like uh, like Noob Saibot don't know how his character would be but he has a line where he says and you have ended the threat most dire against this land. I'm like who says that? <laughs> well, um, the Asian Euro fusion medieval people say that. I guess so. You know, but that there's, speaking Shakespearean, you know. <laughs> yeah, but there's, you know, but there's a lot of that. But yeah, like, I'm flipping through this, and, I mean, granted, I, I think I said before that the art is not, like, is not like award-winning, but this art is actually working with this story. Like It's the, better like the, than Kung Lao's. Oh, yeah, it's sure. way better than Kung uh, Lao's. It's serviceable. I kind of don't like it, but at the same time, it's like... Um, it's kind of simplified. It's definitely a lot easier to follow than bat, uh, tournament editions are, uh, and it's definitely... Or Battle Wave. Or Battle... Yeah, or Battle Waves. It's a lot simpler, and it's a lot... It's more aesthetic than Kung Lao's, so I guess... Boy, is this the best art, too? Is this the best comic overall? Uh, Besides, yeah. I think it is. Uh, it's between this and, uh, the Tobias one. Yeah. Because, like... Ah. The Tobias one is simple, but it's a more pleasant to look at. Yeah. This one isn't as pleasant to look at, but it explores a character in a way that you didn't think you would see. Yeah. So And again, the it's also it, like it's also what they were going for. This one shot actually attempts to help you learn about you know, uh, a character that you didn't that you may or may not have known a lot about was well, like the Tobias comic. The whole idea about that is just prologue and setup to Mortal Kombat 2. So again, you know, Which this is comic is saying... The Tobias that, comic exists to sell quarters exactly. for Mortal Kombat 2. So this comic yeah. is, is actually setting it, it... Its bar is pretty low for a story, but it's still setting a bar higher than the Tobias comic. And I don't mean that as a bad thing. It's just that when you're trying to... 
you know, draw something as a comic because you're trying to sell an idea, what are you trying to sell? When you're trying to sell like an actual character arc and a narrative, that's actually infinitely more difficult to do than say, oh, I'm trying to sell a video game and I just need to set up some prologue for it. Like there's not like the um, there's not as much at stake. Like the stakes aren't as high. Um, and uh, um, when you're doing something like what Tobias did compared to what this one shot is trying to do. Mm. Which is what I was hoping for with the freaking Kung Lao. Kung yeah, I'm like, sorry, dude. Crap. I will say this one kind of like the way that I enjoyed it is the same way that I enjoyed the Radiant and Kano comic, uh, where it's like uh, I wasn't expecting to care about Kano at all. Yeah, an unexpected. And even like, though he part. still turned out to be like who he is, there was a moment at the end where he was like he felt bad for betraying Raiden. Yeah, and that's kind of what I feel like with Baraka here. So it's like, I guess it works better when they explore bad guys than good guys? You could simplify it by saying that. I think it would be broadly more described as just taking a more introspective look on any character. Like maybe you could do a Liu Kang where Liu Kang has a darker side. Maybe Liu Kang, you know, visits the strip and does drugs and, you know, (laughs) you know, visits, you know, prostitutes and stuff. Yeah, Legacy. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, Legacy. Yeah, we're literally a bad Liu Kang. But, uh, I mean, and that's actually my criticism of this too. Uh, I've always liked villains who turn out to not be quite so villainous. That's why I like Scorpion. Because he looks like yeah. a fucking bad guy, but he's, he's pretty cool. Uh, I want to be cynical here though and say, like, I like what they're doing for Baraka, but at the same time, it kind of feels like a forced attempt to do this. And this might yeah, be me. This that. might be me being cynical and perhaps judgmental uh, against Baraka, but uh, you know this woman runs up with this kid. Why wouldn't Baraka just fucking eat the kid? <laughs> wouldn't that be what Baraka would do? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah. But except that you know I'm being cynical there. She does thrust the. Well, she he was she the reason. Well, he was fighting the undead, right? I, At the beginning? Yeah, Scorpion's army, and they're very brittle. So he was protecting. He was protecting the people of the. Was he like the mutants? Because she's a mutant. I mean, he was bloodthirsty. He was bloodthirsty, but he was also like just—he's protecting his eliminating land, eliminating a threat. Yeah, and and yeah. there's one of his people because she is a mutant, thrusting a baby in his arms and saying, "You must protect him." And Baraka, understandably, is like, uh, "Okay, so yeah, I, 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 I kid, but it, it is a pretty good setup for for a, a villain with a heart of gold type thing." Yeah, it but it does. I will say it does feel like something that like it's not it's not something necessary that we needed. Like we didn't need to sympathize with Baraka. Well, like, I mean, it does add a lot. I mean, because Baraka in Battle Wave is ostensibly a good guy, but he just can't get along with anybody. Imagine having Baraka in your group uh, for you know uh, group group project. <laughs> he just shreds everything. And here it gives a little bit more depth to, to you know, him, like you said, regretting the exact past actions. Yeah, that is true. I mean, it's it's and, probably the most fulfilling so, arc out of all this bullshit. Yeah. All the hours that we wasted. Yep. And it... For the, you mean for, the, for this part? Well, I mean, I don't know how, many, how much time expenditure was this all added up. Maybe an hour, a cup, two hours max? Comic doesn't take long to read. Like reading battle, yeah, reading yeah, all yeah. the battle wave, 
and John Tobias's comic and tournament edition and these two one shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This it's because it's pretty simple and it's clear. Yeah, and it's not convoluted like. Uh, and there's no big huge, yeah, and there's no big huge like plot line. And really, I kind of feel like that for if you're going to do a character piece on Mortal Kombat, I feel like stuff like this is just uh, like a lot easier to kind of get away with. And with villains, I mean, this is why, like, honestly, I wish they would have done a one shot on Shao Kahn, and we get to learn a bit mm. more about him because I've always felt that like Shao Kahn, he, like especially from Mortal Kombat 11, because. I like the idea that there's just more to him rather than, like, evil warlord. I mean, he obviously is an evil warlord, but, I mean, hell, he's he manages to take a wife who's totally into what he's into, and well, he actually... Well, uh, if we're going by retconning uh, storyline here. <laughs> if yeah, we're going by MK11's I, retcon, but if you're going by mk three storyline, maybe not so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe not so much. But still, like, I like the, you know, like I was pointing out earlier at the end of Battle Wave when he just laughs after he realizes he can't just, he can't just basically merge the realms without a tournament because that would mean that he would have some form of control over everything and he has to have it. I like the, I actually like the idea that he's not just some 90s cartoon villain. Like, he actually has a goal and a motivation and a scheming, planning thing to do it. He, it makes him feel smarter and more in control than just like, you know, minions, go do my bidding, open the portal to Worthrum, and we shall merge everything and blow up the ocean. <laughs> um, or something Actually, like I will that. say, Jay, that's a wonderful idea to have a Shao Kahn comic in the same vein. Uh, and I will say, when you get to reading it, if you want to read it ahead of time, I've already read it, the Makana, the Makana, Katana Melina comic, maybe 5% almost does that. Uh, it, it shows okay. a little bit more of Shao Kahn's like side, other than being a warlord. I mean, he's still a fucking asshole. Mm. Don't get me wrong; he doesn't get sympathized too much, but it's there. It's starting to be there, mm. and I, I really like that thing. I'm sad we're not talking about it now, but we'll save it for later. Yeah, we'll save it for later. Yeah, because uh, that I've... does come last. Uh, I did fuck up. A uh, small correction in my uh, order of things: Barakas came first. Uh, so this whole the whole battle wave. Uh, wave started in april of 1995 which uh i'm mentioning in this late that was as we stated in the previous episode the year of mortal combat this yeah. literally was the year of mortal fucking goddamn combat because you know we got the because yeah mortal combat 3 came out mm -hmm. mortal combat ultimate mortal combat 3 came out the movie came out yep, yep journey begins came out all these comics came out damn fucking skippy so, yeah, yeah, right as Mortal Kombat 3 is coming out, these comics started. Special Forces, uh, which we'll talk about next uh, comics episode, started in January of 95. But Battle Wave started in April uh, and basically, you know, released each month. But sprinkled uh, throughout that, Baraka did come first. It was released in June. So it was basically around when uh, issue three uh, of Battle Wave would have been coming out April, May, June. Yeah. And Kung Lao came out in July. And then uh, August was like the big fuck you year because then uh, the last issue of Battle Wave came out, Tournament Edition came out, and Katana and Melina came out all in August. Damn. Yeah, it was a big, big month. Yeah. So, and then it all ended. Nin <laughs> 95, the year of Mortal Kombat. The year of Mortal Kombat, man. Rewind time. If I could rewind time, what was I doing in 95? If I could keep time in a bottle. <laughs> uh, Man, this got really melancholy. <laughs> yep. 
right? <laughs> but, I th- but now that we've kind of like, you know, I, th- I think we can actually sort of like wrap, like wrap mm-hmm. up this part two segment here. Time to wrap it up, B. Yeah, time to wrap it up. But uh, but do you, but do you guys have any final thoughts on this run of comics, like overall, compared to what um, we uh, what we talked about earlier? I wish we got better comics. Mm, yeah, like like out there, there's outliers like the Baraka one, or you know Goro Prince of Pain, or for me Raiden and Kano. Um, but like all the like the the tournament edition stuff, and you know Blood and Thunder and Battle Wave, you just like. It's just like there's interesting moments, but a lot of the time it's just kind of dumb and bland. It's a bunch of opinion. shit smeared on a wall that actually might be smeared in an interesting pattern that you look at it and be like, "Oh, that's cool," but it's still shit. Yeah, like because for like going into this, like when we first started this podcast or whatever, I was like, "Oh man, it'll be really cool to read the comics because I've never read any of them, and I've always <laughs> heard that like." There's so much lore in Mortal Kombat. Maybe we'll get some of that in the comic books. And we get a lot of that with the setups in the first ones with like the Malibu, not the Malibu, the Midway comics. Whereas like you're getting the setup for the video games, but you're not getting, it's not super deep. No. It's just enough for you to like get in. Like, okay, I kind of know what's, what's at stake here kind of thing. But then all this, the Malibu stuff is like, they had so many chances to explore really interesting interactions and really interesting conflicts and stuff. And it all just feels like alternate world stuff. Yeah. That is not canon. Like, are this, is this stuff canon? Fuck no. That's what I was, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, none of this stuff makes sense. So it's like, if they're not canon, they could have like, there's so much more they could have done. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There's so much more characters they could have explored, if, or like. If it wasn't canon, of just having, they could have like, gone all out, is what you're saying? And just done something hmm? crazy? If it wasn't canon, they could have just gone all out and done something crazy? Yeah. I mean, this or is. Or just like, like the, like the, um. Like everybody loves the Star Wars books. Like. I don't, but. Before they were turned, they were, they were deemed non canon. It was like they were exploring stuff deep into the history. Right, like, yeah. You know, and, the Old Republic and all that stuff. I mean, and like, they're just like, they're. I guess that's how you could look at this. It's like it's an attempt to be semi-canon, but its own thing, and it's just its own thing sucks. But it's like it's it's written by people who like I feel like they don't like right either. They didn't. I don't know. Like I want to know how much they actually knew or talked to like Tobias or like you know, the people, uh, you know, obviously they they maybe not much because like I said, not knowing anything about Smoke and Jade's backstories, they're just like okay, they're they're villains. When they're supposed to not be. Yeah. And Scorpion. Uh, and they might have known about Scorpion if they fucking, like, beat the game, right? But they're just like, well, he's hellish, so he's easier to write in as the bad guy. He controls the dead. Right, yeah. Like, what? Like, in what world did he ever do that? I mean, like, everything just, else is pretty right. You know, Johnny Cage is a movie star. Luke Kang, the the disgrace. It's very surface level. Though. It's totally surface level. Yeah, surface, surface level is definitely Also, they, 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 like, like, uh, Jay pointed out, we see him with like a T square and like a drafting board. It's like, is he an architect? Is he a designer? Like, what is? I- I'll still hold what that is... he was trying to relocate Shang Tsung's island. Which, if you recall, they mentioned I appears think... and disappears at will. I think I think I that's think what he, he was, was doing. I think he was like. You think he was doing his day job? Whatever I it was, I think he was pursuing a career. Damn. I, don't... I mean, yeah. You know, dialing back. 
What the fuck was he going up for a meeting for? Whose office was it again? That's what I'm saying. He was going for a job interview or something. Mm, maybe. maybe he was trying to live a normal life. Okay. Well, weird. That's what I'm saying. There's so many things that it's just like, they just throw stuff and see what's six. And it's like, none of it connects or makes sense. They just don't, they don't, it, there's no logic behind a lot of it. Yeah. It's like, I feel like, and it, the thing is like, a lot of these comics were written by Charles Marshall, who we've already discussed about like, our issues with it. But it's like, it's interesting that like, so many of these comics were written by one person, but it's not cohesive. <laughs> like, it's the, you would think that there would be some kind of a plan. I could tell you that 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 he's been he was busy with too many other stuff, and this was not a passion project for him. That's probably the case. It's it just was, a it, job. This does feel like it's just like a cash grab because, like we said, the year of Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. They probably knew that you know the movies are coming out, and we got another game coming out. We got to have comics and like, you know, like uh, what do you call it? Uh, ca- capitalize on. The opportunity so like these probably weren't put out like i feel i feel like the only ones that were actually planned were the malibu ones you mean, Cause you mean the like, john tobias ones yeah because like let's make a comic that sets up the game pure and simple that's a simple plan it's a cash grab but it's like hey it's a little bit of a precursor to the game yeah kind of thing that's all it needs to be this one just like Let's just take all these characters and make up some kind of story and put them together and turn them in at the end. <laughs> yeah, like, and, and shit, but not really. It's more like a battle royale. And we, Jackson, so Luke, Kang disappear. Yeah, it's just there could have been so much more stuff going on with this comics. Yeah, I feel you. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I feel slightly more positive because Blood and Thunder was a negative experience. Uh, pretty much the only positive experience uh, last uh, episode of this was Goro Prince of Pain. John Tobias' comic is good, too, but I like Iteration 2 much better. Yeah. There's a little bit more fun here. Um, maybe it was only because there there, was, there were better set pieces here, uh, and there was more of a sense of a sprawl versus just a bunch of people doing stupid shit in an island. Uh, I had fun, but, yeah, it's it's disappointing as far as, like, comics are supposed to be... You can take time to expand and explore shit, and we don't. Like the fact well, luckily, that the battle wave ends with a wedding plot. <laughs> it's like, come right. on. Right, yeah. I mean, okay, it, comics it, you could do it one gets of two things. cringe a little bit. Comics there. you could do one of two things. You can explore lore, or you can go silly. And I guess at the end it went silly, but not silly enough. Yeah, not silly enough. It went super it like... silly. Yeah, didn't commit to it. Yeah, didn't commit to the silliness. Uh, but luckily... Like, when we get to part three of our, um, or at least part three of our next comic run, we'll, like, we'll, we'll review Special Forces and Katana Melina, and Josh has read of Katana Melina. He says it's good. I have not. Um, it's not great. Not it might not be better than Baraka. It's, it's less substantial than Baraka, but overall I liked it yeah, and it had a good ending. And but I, I, but I, I can say, though, that, like, um, that Special Forces I thought was really dang solid yeah. because um, it is... It, like not to spoil it too much, but it is completely, almost one hundred percent detached from the Mortal Kombat lore entirely. It really is just Jax and Sonya on a Tuesday at work. Um, yeah. It's, it's I started it. I, I'm not. I don't know if I like the art or not. I'm, I'm getting used the to the art's it, but... not good. It's Patrick Rollo, Josh. The art is not that uh, okay. Great. But That's I am appreciating not. that it's. It's also long. It's like forty pages. 
Like uh, just for no, the first it's issue? it's like thirty something pages per issue. I mean, that's long for one issue comic. Issue one but... felt like it was going long, but it was going through the story beat of a '90s action movie where you got yeah. the, the the open with the big action scene. Yep, and then and then the intrigue, and I'm at the intrigue part now, and I'll finish yep. reading it later. Oof. But uh, yeah, that that those yeah. will be our outliers from I'm this era because the the next will be MK4, and I actually don't know how that's going to be. I actually am looking forward to it. I think MK4 will be significantly better because that's definitely a leap of a couple of years. I don't know, dude. I, I, don't, I wouldn't expect something special. I'm it's hopeful. going to be a one-shot. Okay. I, I'm it's optimistic. another promotion for the game thing. It's going to be midway produced. It's not a comic, a big comic uh, house. And I don't think it's going to be Tobias this time. That's So I don't know what to expect. I think it's yeah, and I don't, show. and I don't think we have anything after part three. Like once we get through MK4, yeah, we do. Dude, oh yeah, MK we have MK10. Yeah, yeah, we have the ten. Those comics. are the okay. uh, uh, those are probably going going to be the best. Probably, yeah. Art wise, art wise, story wise, and canon wise. Yeah. I've read two yeah. issues. I've read one that featured Scorpion, which made me like, holy shit! I like one Scorpion where he, now. Like, uh, he re- kills uh, Suhao. He punches his face out. Oh no! Then I miss. I'm... And they drew him much differently than he looks in MK10. He's a lot more thicker, and he looks like an angry lumberjack. Scorpion does Thick boy. after he takes off his mask. And I'm like, "Fuck, Scorpion's a man. <laughs> He's a man." <laughs> and I have the one that uh, on the cover is Johnny Cage sitting in a big throne with uh, Sonia and Cassie at his side. It's basically the Cage Dynasty. Oh, God. Jay would love it. I like yeah. that. I want to see that picture of the cage dynasty. Yeah. I'm for that. <laughs> I thought I had an issue where he, where uh, Kenshi brings Takeda, uh, Takeda to Shane, uh, to uh, Scorpion. Or uh, you probably have, yeah. There, I don't know how many issues were. It, it, it went on for a while, dude. Yeah, it's basically the bridge between nine and ten. So. Because remember, in 10, there's a time skip, too. I think this fills some of the gaps. Oh, right, yeah. Which I feel like we're going to probably wait. In... Do you think we'll wait until we get to MK10? Boy, MK10? that's a good question, yeah. That's a long wait. That's but a fucking long it wait. It kind of makes you know, sense he... if we're going through the game. Well, here we are forming shit as we're doing our episode, maybe we want to get Katana and special forces out of the way for just a little special episode, maybe in between, even though it's just like a one, two issue episode and another one shot. I mean, the MK four comic is not that long. Oh, right. MK four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, yeah, we got MK four and that. Yeah. So we'll wait a while for that one to around when we're playing MK four. Yeah. And then we'll be into the, the fucking PS two era games. And if we do the X comics before we get to X, who cares? Eh, you know, I don't think anyone else cares. <laughs> True. Does, does anyone else care? Leave a comment. No. Cricket shirt. Leave a comment. Yeah. <laughs> or, <laughs> hey, maybe we could find some fan comics or something. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, I bet you they're out fun. there. I know there's fan fiction. We should probably. There's fan probably comic. fan comics. But. Okay. Yeah. But now... I can write it. You guys can draw it. <laughs> Do it. But now, with that, is there anything else we want to comment on before we uh, before we wrap this this episode up? Hmm. I think we set our pieces. All right. One no. last note. Hmm. Why noob Saiba? <laughs> <laughs> why noob Saiba? Because, because I wrote that twice. why not? I wrote that twice in my notes. <laughs> twice. 
one for the him and one for the shadow. <laughs> because, yeah, because why not Noob Saibai yeah. this scene? Because we've introduced every other character, why not him? Exactly. That's so. the answer, because really, the, the thing is, who else? Who else for this role to take the baby in good faith? Then a uh, character know. that nobody knows about. Right, yeah, the shadow character. He's, uh, yeah, fuck him, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, God. That's the, that's but yeah, this was uh, interesting. Now what yep. I... I knew... I knew we'd talk a long time about it. Here we are, two hours, two and a half hours, man. Holy crap. Yep. We Comics, too man. Much, man. We go in depth. We yep. talk to you. He talked too much. Talk to he talked too he much. said that to well, that, Johnny well, Cage. No, he said that to Kung Lao at one point. I was like, dang. <laughs> yeah. Baraka said that to Kung Lao at one point. Baraka says that to everybody. He Baraka does. can't he process too much. Let's uh, fight. complicated clauses. He only needs like one or two sent- exactly. one or two word sentences. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, that's it. Then. All right, yeah, let's let's fucking go home. Yeah, um, let's go home. All right, Josh, do you have a do you have your take it away moment uh, for this episode? No, I, I say as as I pick up my stuff and go home. Uh, if this were a comic, there'd be a little floaty box, and I'd say, you know, he he lives modestly by day, but at night he records a MK uh, podcast. Uh, some people know him as Josh, but others know him as JBB, Yaboo. He is Josh, and you would do now do well not to face him this day. Okay, Charles III. Outstanding. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You can follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at Combat Time Pod, and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Combat Time Podcast. You can also email us at combattimepodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions you'd like us to answer on the show. See you next time. Mortal Kombat continues. Get over here!